I can't deal with it no more. I don't know what I own. I'm hypnotized by your lies, from your eyes. And it's we moonlight in the middle of the night. I don't know what you believe in me. I don't know how I feel. I'm here. I'm here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Ornate Stairwells, a podcast that might be shorter than the non-homophobia zone this week. We will see. I'm jo- I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. And you watched four movies. I watched zero. Uh, cruising was fucking mid. Um, I'm fucking sleepy, and we just recorded 45 minutes of podcast, and so I'm not gonna like try to like sprint through this. I know that's not what we do here, but I'm like, if the conversation peters out at a certain point, it's gonna peter out. Like I can't help that. <laughs> don't worry. There's still some good stuff in the non-homophobia zone. If that oh, happens. oh, don't worry. The non-homophobia zone was fucking fire this week. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> um. Well, I watched John Wick. John Wick away. What? <laughs> <laughs> This this might have been before you were in that chat. I don't remember. I think it was. When when John Lacar died. Oh yeah. There John Wakeaway, away the the uwu BBC headline. I have all cuz I've only seen it written out. So I've always in my head it's been John Wakaw. <laughs> or we we all and you are in that chat now, but you were not at the time. I don't yeah. believe we all had a field day with John Wick away, which sounds like John Wick away. If you if you if you perhaps say it fifty times in a row and just start, you know, John Wick away, John Wick away, John John Wick away. Yeah, okay. It's really funny to explain inside jokes on podcasts. Yeah. That's really what everybody's looking John for. John Wick. <laughs> Truly, I promise you, the podcast was way funnier five minutes ago before the podcast started. (laughs) You said I'm not the funny one. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit, but I also talked about it on Around the Longfire. I told you you this before we started the podcast. Yeah. Molly came to visit us one time. And she wanted me to see John Wick because she really likes the John Wick movies. And I fell asleep right after the part where he says, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So I missed, you know, all the big action stuff at the end of the movie. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like i never seen John Wick, even though I saw most of it. I feel like you're not missing that much. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. The thing is, this is the thing that we talked about on Around the Long Fire, but it's like. The movie's, like, not even an hour and a half long or something. Mm-hmm. It's too fucking long. There's mm-hmm. not enough stuff that happens in that movie to sustain the runtime. Yeah, and, 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 I, okay. Like, I enjoy, it's, it's four stars. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that, like, there's a vein happening right now in, it's still kind of continuing, but it seems like it goes more off the rails into just lore stuff or whatever, franchise stuff. But, like, you know, this was... 2014 and it's like a john woo inspired thing yeah it's... okay okay this is the thing right and i i i want to say this and not sound condescending because i don't mean it condescending and i know that i can be grumpy man yells a cloud old man yells a cloud on this podcast this is inspired by a lot of movies that you and i like 
And it felt to me like it didn't have the juice like the movies that inspired it did. And part of it is the plot is so threadbare. And it's like, go watch fucking Face Off. So much shit happens in Face Off. Like, you have the great action, and also shit's happening. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry about the fart I just let loose in the studio, by the way. I I usually try not to acknowledge these on air, but I saw the face you made, and I just (laughs) had to apologize. (laughs) Anyway, you you know, Hard Boiled, a movie that I fucking adore. Yeah. Hard Boiled is... 90 minutes of plot in a two-hour and 15-minute movie. Um, But, and and it suffers for it. You know, Hard Boiled is not as good as The Killer because it stretches it out too long. But but John Woo has an energy um, that John Wick, John Wick is going for, and at moments it gets there, but it didn't, it doesn't feel like it, crosses the finish line to where hard-boiled it's like oh this is too long i'm a little fatigued and john wick is like this is too long i'm a little bored maybe but also i didn't watch the last like 30 45 minutes i I noticed that the recola was sitting in front of me and now it's out of my grasp because that recola was there for the person with bronchitis i've also been coughing this week bitch get your own damn recola bronchitis though Anyway, <laughs> also that is my own damn recall. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring that recall in here <laughs> from just, your own. Stash. I was like, she's not letting me get away with this, is she? There's anyway. no way that she's letting me get away with this. Yeah, so that was the big thing. Is it was just like, like I just wanted more stuff happening. I wanted like a little more, mm-hmm. like. So much of the, the the action becomes like kind of repetitive sometimes, mm-hmm. like about especially by the time you get to the end. Um, and then I, after I'd seen it, and I was already like, that's still like four stars. It's like a fine action movie. I'm glad that like uh-huh. I prefer this over a lot of the other action stuff coming oh, out yeah, around is, the same time. This is head and shoulders above most other movies of its era. Yeah, you know. Um, but then I I saw a thing where the like writer or whatever of it was like. Oh, I thought it would be cliche to have him getting revenge because his wife died. And so I, like, made it be about the dog dying. And I was like, but the dog dying is symbolically them killing the last part of the wife that he has. (laughs) It's still, the wife dies. And then there's the dog. And the dog is just, is the symbol of killing the wife. Let me just Google. You literally did the... It's not upending the trope in any way. I'm I'm Googling Gail Simone fridging real quick. I'm just going to check something. Um, uh, <laughs> let's see here. When was this? Uh, oh, Gail Simone wrote this um, in 1999. Wow, okay. Yeah. I always think of it as part of the comics blogging era. So I think of it as like you know, a, a no. mid-aughts thing. But I can one million percent imagine the writer being like, writing this movie and then finding out about fridging and being like, I can't fridge this woman. What do I got to do? How do I get out of this? Have them kill a dog. After the wife was fridged before the movie started. <laughs> well, I mean, at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, right. So this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. other funny thing is that I've just, people have talked about John Wake 
for a long time. I've been meaning to get around to it and watch more of the John Wick stuff too. Um, and Hollow Advent did a watch along with John Wick and I had a slow day at work and I was just like, I'm just going to watch John Wick with, you know, Narissa and Bibu and Fuamoko and Shiori who has kind of turf vibes. Um, yeah, it, and you know what? Just keep moving. Just keep yeah. moving. We, we'll get anyway. down on it all day. <laughs> I'm just saying, really likes a Robert Galbraith book. Ooh, right. And the movie that she picked was Silence of the Lambs. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I Before they start watching the movie, Bibu, who's the one who's brought it, and she's the one who really likes it, is like, should, cause Fuamoko, like, know nothing about this movie. She's like, should we warn Fuamoko? And Narissa, who's not seen the movie, but does know, obviously, that the dog dies, and that's the whole thing, cause she's just online in that way. Uh huh. Is like, no, well, let's, let's just leave it as like a surprise, like, let's not spoil any of it. Uh huh. The movie starts and the wife dies and Narissa is immediately like, Bibu, how could you make me watch this? You know how much I love wives. <laughs> Which I just thought was a very good bit. <laughs> I did before I saw John Wick. I knew about the dog and I did assume that the wife died before the movie. And I guess I assumed that so strongly. It's also been... We were in St. Louis when I last. Watched I mean, the John wife Wick. like dies of cancer or something. Yeah, you know, it's not like they. I should, I should, I should give John Wick another chance. I feel like I'm sounding like a hater in a way I don't mean to be. Where I was like, ah, that movie didn't totally click for me. Glad everybody else likes it. Maybe this next one will. Maybe I'll like John Wick too. Maybe John Wick two will be the one where I'm like, oh, now I see why everybody loves this. You know, I, I yeah. want to give it another chance. Yeah, now I want to watch John Wick two, and yeah. Anyway, I, I know Molly. I know and... there were stairs, but I don't remember. Really, mm-hmm. I'm sure they looked fine. Oh, you want me to? Do you want me to actually be a jerk on this podcast right now? Because I can do that. I guess. Um. Okay. I was thinking that I. I know that Molly and Pris really like John Wick Four. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, I'm also kind of like, well, I want to watch them all because I know. They like this one a lot. I want to see how the series goes, blah, blah, blah. I was talking to Molly this weekend about movies, and she was telling me how she'd seen Godzilla Minus One, and she really liked Godzilla Minus One a lot. Um, and the thing I said to her was, oh, good, because I've seen a lot of random people on the internet like Godzilla Minus One, but no one with, like, taste. <laughs> And so, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be condescending about this because it's a thing I feel I feel like I've put in the hours to be able to be condescending about this. There are lots of people on the internet who love to act like they know things about Godzilla, but do not. Yeah, do not. Pris is one of the few people I know who actually knows things about Godzilla. It's like Pris, it's Crystal, it's Lexi. Um, I don't really know Zoe that well, but Zoe knows things about Godzilla. Pre-order Godzilla Valentine's Day special right now. Um, it's coming out on January 31st. Um, like I say, I don't really know Zoe, but she's a friend of a friend, and that Valentine's Day special looks good. Um, uh, lots of, lots of people 
like going on the internet and being like, oh, Americans fucked up Godzilla because they made it like silly, dumb action stuff. And Godzilla is a very serious meditation on, you know, the horrors of nuclear conflict. Bitch, it was like that for one movie in the 50s. <laughs> and then King Ghidorah shows up a week later. <laughs> King Ghidorah is fucking silly. He's a three-headed dragon <laughs> that stomps on things. They brought yeah. in they brought in Metal Godzilla. He's like Godzilla, but he's an evil robot. <laughs> They're fucking silly, stupid movies. And so when Pris told me that she liked Godzilla minus one a lot, or Molly told me that her and Pris like Godzilla minus one, I'm like, okay, now I actually believe that movie's good. Now I'm excited to see it once it's not in theaters. Yeah. Um, that's me actually being a jerk for a minute. I'm sure somebody listened to this was like, I liked Godzilla minus one. Does Autumn think I don't have taste? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, now that you're done burning bridges. <laughs> um, the other three, I'm just going to like sort of talk about these all together because I watched all of them with my kid, mm-hmm. which is my kid's starting to get at, at an age where sometimes we can get them to like watch a movie. Mm hmm. So we've been watching some Christmas classics, especially because it's just, that's the season. Yeah. Um. So we watched Home Alone. We watched The Nutcracker, the 1993. Uh, it's basically just like a the ballet performance that's recorded. Like, mm-hmm. there's some like really intense elaborate sets and clearly they like went to different areas, like a new set for various stuff and things mm-hmm. in a way that you probably wouldn't get with like a, but it's not. It is just shooting people on an actual, like, you know, dance stage uh-huh. throughout the whole thing. And very clearly that. There's this whole part where, like, there's all the different suites that are coming. And throughout it, like, the, the two kids are there. But anyway, totally forgot that uh, in- includes Macaulay Culkin as, like, the prince. That the, That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Um, and I was like, he was kind of, like, weirdly a, a like, preteen heartthrob they tried to make him like a star and it just didn't it i don't know i don't want to say too much because i feel like macaulay culkin has like personal problems that i shouldn't opine on or something i don't remember i feel like he had like some of the typical like child star yeah didn't want to keep doing it sort of stuff that i'm not remembering right now and so i'm gonna shut up um but anyway um and then we also watched The Muppet Christmas Carol, which was the best of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No no disrespect to Home Alone. Muppet Home Christ- Alone is not that good of a movie, but I was watching it. It's been a long time since I've watched Home Alone, because I'm just not the kind of person where I'm going to be in the Christmas movie move- mood that Home Alone's going to be the one that I go to. Mm-hmm. You know? As, like, it's just such a, like, kid movie kind of experience to me i know lots of people who watch it as adults but it feels like a child a movie for kids right yeah you know here's the thing is is, because i feel the same way because i remember one christmas when i was maybe like you know nine or ten years old um Mom, we watched Home Alone like we did most years because it was like a fun family Christmas movie. And then Mom was like, okay, you're old enough for this now. And showed me um, Christmas Vacation, um, which is like not actually an adult movie, I don't feel like. 
but to me felt like I was getting away with something when I was watching yeah. this movie with cursing in it. You yeah, know, because there's like the I mean, yeah, the shit and rocks or the shit and bricks, and then like <laughs> language. Sorry, shit and rocks. One of the best jokes in that one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All that um, kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it. I think it adds to my personal perception of, oh, Home Alone is for children. I watched Christmas Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Vacation is a good movie. Yeah. I mean, Christmas Story, too, is like one of those where, like, you watch it and there's even less swearing, but it also feels a little bit more like, Chris- oh, I'm watching the thing for my. I've seen Christmas. I know it's not good. It's weirdly racist in many different ways. Um, it's my dad was just a child in Chicago around the time that, that movie was set, and so I've seen it so many times. Christmas Story and The Big Chill are the two movies that I watch, and I'm the most like I don't understand old people. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's my dad. Yeah, my dad. It's it's Christmas Story and it's The Big Chill because my dad really likes both of those movies and he was trying to get me to like those movies and I'm like, I don't fucking get this dude. Yeah. I don't like I can't even wrap my head around why a person likes this. <laughs> um anyway. Uh yeah, no, so you know, watching Home Alone and I had this moment where I was like because when I was really little I remember really loving Home Alone. Uh-huh. It was like you know my favorite of them. And then I like grew out of that or whatever. Sure. And I was watching, and I was like, I do kind of get it. I understand why me as a child liked this. Uh-huh. And it's not... The thing is, you'd think it's, oh, the part where he plays all the funny pranks, which is the thing that my child really loved. Right. Was kind of lagging, because way more of that movie is other stuff that I just did not really remember. This is why. This is why, for me... When I remember Home Alone, I can't tell you the difference really between Home Alone 1 and 2 because the pranks kind of all just get melded together into what the movie is. And that's really like the last quarter is like, there's like little tastes of the pranks early on where like there's the part where he like orders pizza and then uses like the old movie to have him be like, take the money and go or whatever. I I love the bit with the old movie. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that part being... And then it comes back. Yeah. I feel like that part being my favorite part of that movie kind of explains my whole deal as a film watcher now. But here's the thing that I was watching. I was like, oh, I get why I like connected with this movie as a kid. Which is that it's like the youngest or one of the youngest in a, a family with a lot of fucking kids. Yeah. Um then has this, like, kind of weird interaction of, like, just being a little kid and having this, like, and having, like, little kid emotions, but not having any guidance on, like, how to process little kid emotions. Like, the whole beginning is like this, and then there's, like, a part where, like, he accidentally spills soda, basically. Because he's, like, having these other emotions that he's not giving any guidance on how to process or anything. And then they get really mad at him and are like, you have to, like, go up the stairs into the weird attic bedroom to sleep alone. And that's how he gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. And the mom, like, is kind of just mean to him doing that. Like, the yeah. whole conversation, the mom is not saying. And, of course, at the end, you get the, like, nice resolution. Yeah. This is- um, and I was just like, as somebody who, like, is now going through therapy for neglect trauma, I was like, oh, I get why I identify with the one where you get forgotten on a you family. Know, As someone who's one, one of my only childhood memories is we stopped at my mom, 
mom's school where she worked because she had to go in and get something and I had to pee. And then they left without me and then came back Uh and didn't realize at first that I was not in the car. Mm -hmm. I think I know why I really liked Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) And then the mom is like so emotional about it that she's like going through all of this to try and get home. You Uh know, it was like, I don't think it's John Candy. It's not John Candy. Who is it? Who is it? Oh, fuck. I have Steve Martin in my head because I'm thinking of Cheaper by the Dozen. It's one of those, like, SNL kind of guys, though. Yeah. It's not Steve Martin. Steve Martin's, like... Steve Martin's weird because I think of him as an SNL guy, even though he's definitively not an SNL guy, but he's also the most SNL guy in some ways, you know? Yeah. Um, John Hurd, is that who you were thinking of? I don't think so. Uh... Oh, John, John Candy. Candy. Okay, it's John Candy. And it was John Candy. Yeah, okay. Gus Polinsky. It was like sh- the Sheboygan whatever or something. Let me, let me. The Sheboygan polka, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this might actually just be a planes, trains, and automobiles like thing now that I'm looking. You know, I've Yeah, there's seen... like a little bit of a. Um... The other thing is like. Who, who's in. Because is... he was also. On... Uncle Buck. Right. And Macaulay Culkin is like kid and Uncle Buck. Yeah, okay, okay. So. Who else is in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Is that Steve Martin? Who is that? Um, it's been so long since I've I've never seen Planes, yeah. Trains, and Automobiles. I was thinking about it because yeah, Steve Martin. Okay. Um I was I was thinking about it because I've never seen that movie, but I did see the the um bit where it's just like John Candy, like, improving for, like, seven minutes, and it gets, like, cut out of the movie, and it's fucking hysterical, you know? Yeah. Um, I was also thinking about it, I, I think I was thinking about it because Repertory Screenings just did The Jerk, um, and, and I watched The Jerk drunk once in a hotel, not a hotel, a dorm room, um, and so when they were recording The Jerk episode, I went and watched... 10 minutes of the funniest jokes from the jerk. And I was like, man, this movie's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you also did the Austin Powers trailer experience for yourself, which is you watch the funniest jokes in it and you're like, well, that was funny. The difference, the difference is that the jerk is, is, is at a different level than, well, also the difference is that the jerk, if I watch 10 minutes of the funniest bits, is ten minutes. If I watch the funniest bits from Austin Powers, that's a, a forty-five a second tree before, spot yeah. <laughs> or TV yeah. spot, not tree yeah. spot. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny when he says "Yeah, baby" or whatever. That's that's my fucking Austin. Awesome. The part where the yeah, baby. This is the part where he's like gets stuck going like back and forth. That's funny. That's legit yeah. funny. It, when he's when he yeah. puts it in drive and he puts it in reverse. It's like me trying to... You probably get, like, a very brief bit of the, like, oh, we're, like, naked, but stuff keeps blocking our junk. You're yeah, like, you really only stuff. need that joke, like, one time, not the yeah. seven times the movie does it. Yeah. Um. You probably also get, like, mini-me or whatever doing something, but it's probably the one actual funny thing that he does. I also don't remember when mini-me happens. I feel like mini-me's from the second movie, yeah, maybe? I think so. Um, you get the Scott bit where Green they do a does something funny. I bet one million dollars. I bet you know, that's in the. 
You know, should um, we just watch the trailer to? No, <laughs> no, I'm good. One time, my mom and I got in a fucking fight because I was like, Austin Powers. That's a, a Dana Carvey movie, right? <laughs> And my mom was like, no, what are you fucking talking about? I'm like, no. Dana Carvey's in that movie. He's so young. <laughs> That's his name, right? It's not Dana yeah. Carver. Okay, Carvey. Co- okay, cool, cool, cool. Still, you're... <laughs> just, my, mom, my mom was just like, are you fucking insane? I'm like, Dana Carvey's in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what's a good movie? I bet there's a part where he's going through a little thing where you have to like fill out, and it's like the sex, and you're supposed to put like... You know, male or female, and he writes yes, please or whatever. Uh, I bet that's in the trailer. <laughs> you you know what you know what's a good movie? What? Uh, fucking Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. Um. Anyway, in terms of Michael stairs, Myers. Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't. Fu- well, I got stuck on Dana Carvey, and I just couldn't. Like, I couldn't. What is happening? <laughs> I, <So> the, st- <laughs> the stairs in Home Alone. <laughs> So there's this, <laughs> the stairs that go up to the, like, fold-out bed where he sleeps and then gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... I thought I watched John Wick in 2021, so I was seeing if I had oh, rated yeah. the stairs. Did you, did you rate before? I, I I think I must have watched it in, like, 20... Well, I don't know when Molly visited us in St. Louis. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of this podcast has been in Chicago. More of it than not at this yeah. point. Um, but yeah, there's the stairs that go up to where he has to sleep, and the, like that scene's sort of dramatic. Um, there's obviously the slipping and the falling on the stairs, multiple yeah, stairs. Yeah, which are funny. There's the stairs that are all like, there's like all the weird glue or whatever. Home Alone like, is like an easy S for stairs, and then for he me. like steps into the on the nail, and yeah. then is like, oh, and then falls all the way down, and then has to like try and get up the stairs to go to the other. The stairs are like a plot device, and then he's lost know? his shoes because they were stuck in the the glue, and then he like goes into the window and steps on the ornament, the glass ornaments that he doesn't see. And then there's like also the stairs that like Macaulay Culkin's running up, Kevin, Kevin McAllister <laughs> or whatever. Who do you think would win in a fight? Kevin McAllister versus uh, John McClane. John McClane has a fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but as we all know, John McClane and and uh, Kevin McAllister would never fight. Well, well, John McClane is much better adapted than Joe Pesci is for being without shoes. You know, yeah. That's what what that's what brought. Okay, I see. I see now more of how you got to this weird power scaling conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted to have with me the famous lover of shonen battle anime. (laughs) Yeah, I I was. I was just thinking about it because you mentioned he lost his shoes. Um, I can't believe you like Die Hard three better than Die Hard. I don't think there are any stairs. Die Hard three is fucking incredible. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that the other movie is Die Hard. <laughs> Which is not Die Hard with a vengeance. <laughs> J- the ext- <laughs> There's the bit. There's the bit. There's where- the knife pervert lady. <laughs> with nothing you say can, can convince me. 
consider Alan Rickman, <laughs> knife pervert lady, doing a German guy doing a bad American accent. <laughs> Knife pervert lady. And that's not even getting into... Mr. McLean. Simon himself. Alan Rickman is, like, Man. the best part of that movie, but... Man. Um... Anyway, What's... Nutcracker F. I mean... Okay, Jeremy the... Irons. I had Jeremy Bruckheimer stuck <coughs> in my head. Which is not... It's Jerry Bruckheimer. And I ha- I could not get that out of my head, and I couldn't remember Jeremy Irons' name. He suffers yeah. without a stone. That's not... But John <clears throat> Malkovich suffers without a stone. Um. Anyway... Um, there was this, because we were just, I was sitting there with my child watching the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. which my, my child described, re, will repeatedly recall, the Peanut Cracker, <laughs> and also in a way where I think there's just an energy to the way that they say Peanut Cracker that feels like it's not a thing that cracks peanuts, it is like a cracker that you eat that has peanuts. Anyway, yeah, can I tell you a quick question or can I tell a quick anecdote about your child and Home Alone? Sure. I was babysitting last week so that you could go to a nice fancy birthday dinner with Emily. Um, for her birthday, not mine. For her birthday, yes. Um, and your child at one point during like doing bedtime and all that stuff, just, just because they were delaying, they didn't want to go to bed. And so they're just like, you know, putting it off, putting it off. I'm like, okay, let's, let's go to bed. And they're just like... Autumn, do you remember the part where the boy lights the fire and then the the, the guy comes down the chimney and and the boy he gets lit on fire and the boy laughs and it's so funny I'm like what the fuck is this child Home Alone yeah. <laughs> I'm just like I'm like nodding along trying to figure out what the fuck the kid was talking about <laughs> anyway the not I mean it's the Nutcracker like. The- Tchaikovsky music, fucking great. Like, I love some Tchaikovsky songs. I had a girlfriend in high school who watched the Nutcracker, like, once a month. That's weird. Yeah. But, and so, you know, also it's, like, one of those, like, very... Most of the the, uh, ballet are just different suites coming out. Some of them slightly... (laughs) (laughs) Like, the coffee... And the tea, it's like Arabica coffee and Chinese tea. Ooh. There's some there's some racism happening when, um, yeah, the various like sweets and goods come out. How do you? <clears throat> but anyway, this is a, this is a thing that's come up, and I have a, a a parenting question for you. Yeah. So, cause cause like let's say for example that a family member of yours gives your child books with wildly insensitive racist caricatures or you watch a movie with like you know the a chinese tea character let's say how do you talk to that with your talk about that with your four-year-old i mean there's still at like a certain age where we like we kind of talk about like oh this is like you know not really acceptable this is like an outdated sort mm-hmm. of thing we'll sort of point it out but like They almost don't even have enough, like, concept of the world yet to start, like... There's, like, a few... There's, like, a book that we have that's, like, also a thing to talk about. Like, it's more talking about fairness, but it's also, like, the book is explicitly, like, the white car and the black car. And then it's, like, Mm -hmm. this race that ends up getting rigged and stuff. 
Um, it, yeah, it feels <clears> like... So there's, like, stuff there, but it's also, yeah, it's it's at a level. And, like, my kid goes to a school that has, like, just large diversity of, like, mm-hmm. you know... Like, there's a significant amount of Ukrainian people who are going to that school in addition to, like, other demographics in Chicago. I guess... I guess, yeah. I guess the thing... I know how, you know... I bring up Ukrainian specifically because they speak Ukrainian, like, on the playground and stuff. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, I know how if you're, um, like... I know how if you're reading a book to a four-year-old that's, like, teaching kids about racism. I know yeah. how to, like, you know, have the conversation a little bit. I can grok that in my head. I just, I just don't know how you approach, like... I mean, one of the racist that... stuff that just gets encoded as part of culture, and you're just now you're trying to break down for a four year old like semiotics, I guess. Yeah, I mean, some of it does like you know the one like they, there's just kids from different like cultures and backgrounds at their school. Mm-hmm. Also, like my brother got married to a woman in China when he was living in China, and his like kids are half Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um. So also, like, specifically with the tea thing, we were able to just be like, oh, like, that's not what your cousins are like. Right? right. Like, we were able to, like, immediately, like, you have this other reference point for just, like, those are your cousins. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes um, sense. But, yeah, there's there's a certain amount of, like, you know. And, and a lot of it is still, we're also in this, like, phase where they are picking up a lot of words. Which also includes sometimes picking up swear words. <laughs> and then we're having conversations also around, like, w- words are, like, bad words because of context. So there's, like, a thing where I'm talking about context stuff. Mm. So I'm like, fuck. The word fuck. Mm. I'm not going to be mad at you for saying that word. Just in and of itself. Mm-hmm. If you say it at school, you might get in trouble. Do yeah. not say it at school. Yeah. If you say it around grandma, she will be upset. Do not say that word about around grandma. Yeah. If you say that word to try to hurt somebody, I will be upset because of the, like, intention, the way that you're using it. And then we also talk about how, like, and there are some words that, like, there's a lot of context around where it's, like, the people who are constantly being hurt by those words are the people who get to, like, make the choices around who's using it at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of, like, how much hurt has been, like, put into that word. And how much is, like, targeted at people. So, you know. Is it, we can say fag. You and me, we can... We, you I've and, been called that on the train enough times. You and me are allowed to like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. <laughs> Shiori is not allowed to like Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um... um. Here's yeah. the, here's the thing. So that's, I mean, some of it too is like, we're still at the level of like, getting a lot of questions around like, oh, what's that word mean? Including words that like, they are using regularly. Yeah. Like, it's a, I think a thing that comes up on Bluey a lot where Bluey will be like, that's not fair. So for a while, my kid uh-huh. would just say like, that's not fair for like any time that they just like, didn't, didn't like, like something. something. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we have been like, talking about like, what does fairness mean? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some of it that's, like, right now I feel like it's still a part of, like, learning language and, like, what actual words mean. And then having uh, stuff where it's, like, talking about it. And then occasionally there's, you know. Straight up, you know, like. Like, we talked about that Mog book is, like, 
like I will say, like I don't really want to talk about that Mog book or read that Mog book because it is like showing Native American people mm-hmm. and then calling them bird people, and that is not nice. That's not like an okay thing to do. Yeah. So straight up, like you know, when I was babysitting last week, your kid stayed up way way past bedtime normally bedtime is at like eight i was thinking in my head i'm like okay they're gonna be a little upset about mommy and mama not being home i'm planning on nine in my head it ends up being like 9 45 when i finally it was it was late enough that you came out and we were already home <laughs> yes um and <laughs> i did not i thought that you knew and then when i became aware that you did not had a very small window to in some way try to alert you uh, and you were convinced that somehow I would be able to text you in a way where you would not just see me over there being like, we're home, but I don't want to, like, if I say something, I'm also going to start, anyway, I scared the shit out of you. You scared funny. the shit out of me. <laughs> it was really funny. You scared me. I fucking screamed, and I was so convinced your kid was going to get up out of that bed. That's how I knew the kid was asleep, because if that had happened at 9 p.m., let's say, your kid would have gotten up and been like, what's going on? But the kid was fucking out by the t- because I screamed and they did not react. Anyway, the reason I was talking about this is because um, straight up, like part of the reason I kind of let them stay up late was they just kept asking me about what's that word mean? And I'm like, this is just kind of an interesting conversation for me to be having in a way that like, no, no offense to children. I'm not usually having the most engaging and thoughtful conversations with, you know, it's like, I don't mind, you know, teaching the kid things and stuff, but, you know, normally we're talking about, like, Smash Bros. Yeah. And this was just like, I would be like, oh, if you stay up, you know, too much later, you're going to regret it tomorrow. What's regret mean? Okay. Well, I'll explain what regret means, and then your kid would be like, ooh, let me try to come up with... An example would tr- you could see like them processing like I'm learning yeah. what this word means. Let me try and like you know um, use it. I thought that was just interesting enough that I was kind of letting them get away with murder. This is one of the other things that I try to do as well is like first I try to make sure that I'm like answering the question, right? Mm-hmm. My kids like what does fair mean? I want to make sure that they have a clear sense of what fair means. Yeah. And I will come up with examples of situations that are about fairness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be like, oh, like, if you're going to have treats at school, everybody in class gets one cookie. Mm-hmm. That would be a fair thing. If you got three cookies and... Yeah, or like, oh, maybe once, like, you know, they're one cookie short, so so you don't get the cookie and everyone else gets the cookie, the next time there's treats, they have some extra, so they give you two cookies and everyone else gets one cookie. Right. That's now making it fair again. Yeah, you're so balancing it So do the ones where I'm explaining, but then I'll do this extra thing where I'm like, I don't think my kid's like actually fully learning this word yet, but I'm trying to introduce it. So I'll be like, so the one where everybody just gets the same thing, that's what's often referred to as equality, the one where somebody has not been getting equal treatment. Mm-hmm. And so now we're doing this extra stuff that's often talked about as equity. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So then I'll introduce, and I'm like, my kid's not going to say like equality and, 
they're like equal and equi- you know, equitable yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. But you're you're um <clears throat> I'm still trying to like introduce that there's like other words that then talk about these things. So Your kid was also making me laugh because um you know um they were eating cake and having some milk, and I was like, ooh, milk and cake, that's a great combo. Classic combination. What's a combination? Like, oh, you know, when two things just go together, you know, like milk and cake, or peanut butter and jelly, or, you know, ham and eggs, you know, something like that. And and they were like, oh, like this? I'm like, yeah, exactly. And they named another food thing. I was like, or, or you know, like Sonic and Tails. And like, you can't eat Sonic and Tails. <laughs> Got deeply upset with me in that moment. Do not eat Sonic and Tails. <laughs> and then you had to be like, no, it's not just about food. It's not just. <laughs> I, I, we were thinking about food. And so by accident, all my examples were food examples. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Nutcracker. One stairs. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Ornate Stairwells. <laughs> the stairs are an F. Because I don't think there are any. Because, again, it's mostly in a dance, mm-hmm. like, you know, stage. Yeah. Um. But the one thing I was going to say about watching this, way back before we got completely off topic onto when the did whatever that happen? Did, did we get off topic? Was. I was sitting there. Watching it with one because my kid insists. You gotta watch the movie too. Don't look at your phone. You gotta watch the movie. <laughs> um, and also because I do sometimes want to like watch and comment on, especially a ballet where there's not a lot of dialogue or talking anyway. Uh huh. Right. Um, there's some amount of like giving context and being like, oh, that's the sugar plum fairy or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway. Because of that, I was really watching it, and I had that thing of being like, like, I'm aware of, like, ballet is, like, very difficult, right? Mm. It's, like, destroys bodies. Yeah. Destroys bodies. Black Swan, in theaters now. And there are moments where you see ballet, and you're like, it is hard to, like, walk on your, your, like, toes like that, right? Right. But they're just, like, kind of walking, and it's just, like, a bunch of people, and they're just, like, sort of moving, like sort of smoothly and you're like like there was this moment where I was watching it and I was like man like you destroy your like body for this like you're just like kind (laughs) of like there's a certain amount to which like there there's something happening if you look at the feet but also it's just like they're kind of just like slowly walking like around on the stage and then you get these like explosive moments where someone's like fucking like jumping and like clicking their like legs in in the air like twice and then like landing again and then I'm like fucking Jackie Chan's here like, <laughs> like I, I had was that gonna... moment of like like there are some of those things where I'm just like I I can see like the amount of work that goes into this but also in terms of like just visually what I'm getting from it is not like that much of like oh wow this is like an amazing achievement and then there would just be these moments where it would just like become explosive and I'd be like holy fucking shit the things human bodies can do so. yeah as I, as I get like a little older you know I find myself more and more enjoying like basketball players who are like bench guys that come in for 20 minutes and put up like 10 points and it's like you know like <clears throat> they're not the flashiest players but it's like Damn, you have to work 
so hard to get you have to be one of the most incredible athletes on the planet to get the opportunity to be complained about and traded by (laughs) (laughs) to have to have fans be like this alex caruso blah blah yeah the fans love alex caruso every everybody who's into the chicago bulls is like man alex caruso is the only good thing we got going right now (laughs) um and then you also sometimes see it where you know uh, JC says, "Take it to the hole." This <laughs> <laughs> just a, I think it's like a UCB sketch. I was just thinking of this. But there's like a uh, one of the kids at the like Christian uh, camp isn't like instead of doing all the like normal stuff that you're supposed to be doing or whatever, just has like drunk all the bug juice. <laughs> um, and he's just playing basketball by himself and the like counselors are like trying to talk to him and like you know get him to like stop and be like you know um, so there's this part where they're like you know we really want you to like ask yourself what what Jesus Christ would would tell you right now in this moment <laughs> <laughs> and he shouts JC say take it to the hole <laughs> and he like you know jumps up and does the <laughs> Anyway, yeah, um, Muppet Christmas Carol, the best one, fucking rules. You just have yeah. gone from a hundred to zero energy wise. I was I, I I was just at work today, just like yeah. really struggling to get through it. You know, yeah, and and it's catching up to me now. Where it's like, okay, let's talk about cruising and be done. <laughs> um, I, I truly, I'm not trying to rush through the podcast. Yeah. I just, I, I clearly you're not. I I took okay. Clearly, you're not trying to rush through the podcast. Last night, I mm. got in bed at nine, and then I laid awake reading, hoping that it would be like one of those I'm gonna read and then I'm gonna fall asleep, like you know, with the the Kindle open. And I ended up getting so engrossed in what I was reading that I I finished it out. Um, that was that was um. If your career is a lonely place of dying, the Batman storyline where Tim Tim Drake gets introduced, which I thought was a really fucking good storyline. I had not read that before. Um, uh, year three and um, lonely place of dying both. I I'm kind of a Marv Wolfman hater, but I really liked those two stories. Anyway, um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, so I laid in bed for like two hours, and then I laid in bed for like another forty five minutes with the lights off. And everything, trying to fall asleep. And then I got up and I took half an anxiety pill because I was like, maybe this will help me fall asleep. But if I take a whole anxiety pill, I'm going to, like, not wake up in the morning. Like, I'll be out until 10 a.m., you know? So I take a half a one, and that still doesn't really knock me out. And I didn't really fall asleep until Nora got in bed at, like, 1230. And then I had to be, you know, up at... I slept in a little till like, 730, and then I regretted that because I really needed to shave and... Uh, then I was just struggling to get through work, and this is not why anybody listens to the podcast. I don't really know why I went into such yeah. exhaustive detail about. <laughs> again, I was just like, I'm, a, I'm going to do the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's very clear that you are not trying to rush the podcast because you are just taking us under another tangent. <laughs> why did I start talking about that at all? I could have said I couldn't sleep last night. <laughs> so anyway, the Muppet Christmas Carol fucking great michael kane's writing it um, yeah he, he really is he carries that movie 
Yeah. Especially because he's so, like, he's able to play it so serious, but then he's also able to, like, lean into the, like, funniness at the very end. You can tell he's having, like, a great time on set, and as soon as they roll cameras, he's like... Mm, yeah. I, d- I did a visual thing. You also yeah. did a visual thing, but at least but you provided a, little, a sound mm, effect. Yeah, yeah at least... Yeah. <laughs> at least you halfway remembered that we were in an audio medium. <laughs> um... So yeah, he's really carrying it, and then also, like, the decision to have Gonzo and Rizzo, like, the narrators. Well, Gonzo's the narrator, Rizzo's just kind of hanging out with the narrator, but then they are, like, literally there. They have to, like, go through all sorts of trials and tribulations to continue to follow along with Michael Caine as Scrooge. Including, like, hanging from a rope that they, like, managed to contrive to, like, be tied around him so that when he goes into the past, they can go with him. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, physically present in a way that they have to continue, like, like people will open doors and they'll fall out and stuff, but nobody can see them throughout all of this. Is such a great, like, thing to introduce the, like, constant comic relief while M- Michael Caine's being really serious throughout all of it. Mm-hmm. Um and then, like, it changes when you get to the ghost of Christmas present and Christmas future, because they're more just, like, giant Muppet things that are just walking around with them. But the the ghost of Christmas past, um, and also, to some degree, the, like, Marley and Marley. Yeah. The, just the effects on it are still great. Like, I mean, obviously, it's just, like, compositing and that they're doing and stuff. But, like, especially the, like, Ghost of Christmas Past is just, like, weird yeah. and ghostly on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way where, I don't even remember what it was. Emily was watching some, like, recent Marvel thing. And there was some, it wasn't, like, a ghost. It was, like, some, like, AI, like, assistant that was, like, existing in the world or something and moving through. And it was just so bizarre how much it was just, like, clearly, like, in an editing program put in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how have we gotten, like, so fucking shitty at this? <laughs> we used to be a real country. <laughs> um, um, it's it's just bizarre how much they're like, we're going to have computers and it's going to make all this stuff look better and, and it's going to make it easier and it all looks like shit. But anyway. I Sorry, I was... There's a, there's a part, because every Muppet movie has the part where you see Kermit and his little Kermity legs walking. Cause like normally <laughs> you're never going to see the, you know, Muppets feet because way that Muppets work. Um, and so there's the part where he's like walking and singing and there's like tiny Tim on his shoulder. And even just like the way that they have like the houses, like curling back in the background looks so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a good looking movie. In general. You know? Yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm trying to find a list of Muppet movies. Um, cause I, so, earlier tonight, <clears throat> Nora compared me to Miss Piggy and herself to Kermit. Which I don't think, I don't think that's quite true, but it's true of our relationship, you know? Yeah. And you asked me which Muppet would you be? Um, and I've been really thinking about it, um... You said animal, but just as a joke. I said animal... It's still the best answer I've got, you know? Yeah. 
let me let me throw an idea to you, and I'm not I'm not sure. Connor's clearly Fozzie Bear, right? Like we're yeah, yeah. Um, I I want to throw something out, and I you don't you don't have to to agree with it. I just want to see how we feel about it. Grover? No, I'm not Grover. Okay. Wait. I think because Fozzie Bear has too much like. Fozzie Bear's like anti-humor humor. That's not Connor. Mm-hmm. I think Connor's Ralph. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. There's not a... I could see you as a scooter, maybe. A scooter? That feels insulting. I'm sorry. I take that back. If you're going in that, like, a Gonzo, maybe. I just, not quite I thought, Gonzo I just, enough, though. Gonzo... I don't have that trans mask swag. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Every single time that bit of uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit dressed like the Annie Hall characters goes around and people are like, oh, trans mask, trans femme swag. People have no idea. (laughs) Just no fucking clue. The thing is, we all know that motherfucker who dressed like Gonzo. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That one's just real. Yeah. We all know the motherfuckers who dress like Gonzo. (laughs) They're out there. And their pronouns are most of the time they, them, or he, they. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to throw another one out there. You tell me no. Swedish chef? This again just feels like a joke. Animal was a joke, but I genuinely feel like Animal is... Animal most embodies quiet girl who plays a loud girl on podcasts. You know? Because Animal, animal, that dude's blazing up. He's vibing. He's on the tour bus just chilling, looking at the clouds. You're saying this like I'm blazing up. (laughs) You're not. But I'm saying that, like, Animal, when he's chilling, he's chilling. And when he's on, he's on. And I feel like you embody that same energy of when you... When you're not performing, when you're not, you know, in the zone, you're just vibing. You're living your life. But then when I see a woman, I'm like, woman, woman. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) What is this bit? Um, So anyway, cruising was mid. (laughs) Stairs in Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, that that one I legit think I rated yeah. in twenty twenty one. Double check for me real quick. Um, Muppet. Um. Oh right, because <laughs> I would. <laughs> Wait, was this the one where we were gonna watch? We were watching the Muppets take Manhattan together, and you fell asleep or something. Yeah, which we... is weird because normally I'm the one that falls asleep during. And a we movie. were gonna do twenty forty five or whatever. We were going to do, do the... 2048. 2046? Yeah. 2046? Whatever is, the one is. When is Hong Kong There's going to be? There's too many 2048 is both a power of two. Your child also has a new game they like to play where they just ask me to list powers of two. They're like, what's two times two? Yeah. What's... 2046. Yeah. We were going to watch 2046, and I was so fucking tired because the lead up to, like, Yule and Christmas... 
there's just I do more podcasts because I'm like getting stuff in ahead of time. There's a lot of prep going on. I was just tired. Yeah. And I fell asleep on the sofa while you're watching Muppets take uh, Manhattan. And I was like half asleep for a while. And then I was I remember I was like talking about what if the movie was them taking Manhattan as in like they were literally doing a siege on Manhattan. And then I was wondering what if they were stealing Manhattan and taking Manhattan somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And then maybe they could take Manhattan to like uh, Chicago. And then, like, Olivia and Nora could be close. I don't think Olivia lives in, in Manhattan, but, like, we can figure it out. I think she lives in Manhattan. I'm not sure. I have no context at all for this. So. I We can't cut that one out. That was... <laughs> I apologize. Listen. Listen. I am missing an entire foot of my small intestine. And so I don't usually... Ap- <laughs> So also the Muppet Christmas Carol was watched in 2022 and it was also question marks. <laughs> so we have watched this movie every year that we have done the podcast and not a once have we remembered. <laughs> There's definitely like some stairs early on, but yeah. The thing is, a lot of Muppet movies, you're like, there's no stairs because it's all Muppets. But this one, you got the ghost Muppets and you got Michael Caine. They can go upstairs. Yeah. 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 Michael Caine's bedroom is upstairs. This, so there's uh, stairs in that. I also, I watched this last, around the time that I rewatched um, the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol one. Um, which is pretty good. Pretty good little movie. Um, it's like 25 minutes long or something. Um, and that has some superb stairs in it. Yeah. Because it's got Jacob Marley, goofy (coughs) as Jacob Marley, following Scrooge, um, up the stairs. Um. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've been reading a lot of comics this week, as you know. You know what I read this week? For I was like the... just gonna have us talk about cruising so you can go to bed, but this is so short. Okay, you know what I read this week, which I read for like the eighth time. The one where uh, Superman is dressed as Santa and he's gonna deliver to kids, and Batman's like, "Don't do that. That's lame. You should just deliver a Superman. They'd still be really excited." And Superman's like, "You're right. I'm gonna go home and change." And then he goes, and Batman has delivered the presents dressed as Santa, <laughs> and they're like, "We love you, Bat Santa." And then Superman punches him. I actually read that for the first time like last week, I think, because I didn't. Yeah. I was not familiar with it until it was brought up on War Rocket Ajax. Um, no, the thing that I reread for like the eighth time um, is Christmas on Bear Mountain, which is really funny. It's the first Scrooge McDuck comic, the introduction of Scrooge McDuck, where um, he's going to test Donald to see if he's brave enough to deserve to have a nice Christmas, basically. And so, uh, he's going to go into the cabin dressed as a bear, but he gets snowed in, and so he can't make it to the cabin. And meanwhile, a real bear gets into the cabin and scares Donald so much that he faints, but then when Scrooge gets there, it looks like he's just sleeping cuddled up with the bear, and he's like, oh my god, Donald's the bravest guy in the world. It's a really fucking funny story. (laughs) 
It's funnier when you read yeah. it than when you, I explain yeah. it. It did sound funny. So anyway, cruising. It's mid. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, the big thing... Yeah. So, I think I even said, when we were going to do it, of like... I have thoughts, like... I have feelings with, like, cruising and then also Midnight Cowboy that are, like, sort of mingled together because I watched them around the same time in, like, high school or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And I remember more from Midnight Cowboy... But I also felt like there's still, like, some things that I remembered from cruising. And it turned out I, like, basically remembered everything from cruising. It's just nothing fucking happens in the movie. Yeah, so, okay. So, quick synopses that'll wrap up most of my criticisms of the movie all in one fell swoop. Um, Al Pacino it has to go undercover to find a serial killer who is terrorizing... Um, uh, queer nightclubs in manhattan um and this is like pre-aids being a big thing yeah i was going to summarize more of the plot but i think that's literally the only thing in the movie i i think al pacino goes undercover in gay nightclubs is like the only thing i could tell you and then eventually like uh, one of the other detectives who's like on the case but not undercover Gives him, like, a yearbook, and he's able to find the guy somehow through that, and yeah, then confronts it, him and arrests him. Yeah. There's... Okay, so, like... If this were a Brian De Palma movie, it would be a little sleazier, it would be a little more Freudian, and it would be a little more... You know, it would have... It would have something there, Right? Yeah. You know, in the in the shock value and the exploitation in the, you know, there's an element to what cruising is as it exists where it is thinking not so much about queer nightlife as about straight men's fears of being gay, you know? And I can so easily imagine the Brian De Palma movie that's tapped into that aspect to it. Yeah. If it's Martin Scorsese movie, it's going to be really tapped into there's an element to this movie where it's about um policing and masculinity um and, and violence and the the way that those three things get tied up and the martin scorsese movie it's like it's a little more about all those things and it has just that oomph to it you know and i like either of those movies i would i would really like either of those movies this movie kind of doesn't commit to any of the directions I want it to commit to. Yeah, so, I watched it, and it sort of reminded me of Sexploitation. Which mm-hmm. we've watched one Sexploitation movie on this before, and we did not make it through all of it. <laughs> Just let me die a woman. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing is, you hear Sexploitation, and I think if you're, like, unfamiliar with the the genre, you often imagine something that's, like, this really lascivious, like, lascivious, like, um, softcore porno. Yeah. And what it really is, is it's like, it has this weird guise of educational that's then like over this like weird, because they're doing it, ma- having this guise of it being educational. It's often about like herpes or something. Like there's some topic. Mm-hmm. And then it's like this kind of weirdly clinical look at that. 
but still part of the appeal is, is like, and then you see like penises and vaginas on, on screen. Yeah. But it like has that air of being a little bit more acceptable now because it's not a porno where people are having sex. You're looking at what chlamydia looks like or whatever. Mm. Right. That's kind of what like a lot of sexploitation stuff is. Right. Right. Um, And some of it also was like happening at this like point where like porn didn't, there wasn't like easy access to porn stuff mm. also. Mm. So that's part of why it like comes about. Um, and so there's this way that like, like, uh, friend of the pod, Josh McKenzie, who's on swim fans, they did cruising, um, once as well. And Josh in particular is like, appreciates this movie for like, essentially having like a certain amount of documentary footage of like 1980, like seventies and eighties. Making a face. Yeah. Like gay night scene. But it doesn't do anything with that. There's a thing where it's like you're seeing this, but it's also not even doing it the way that like an actual documentary would. Right? Yeah. Like a an, an documentary would like have more like actually talking to the people or something. Yeah. This is like you're just kind of seeing nightclubs. And often it you know, maybe like I, I don't know entirely from the production how much of this is like are they just going into these cruising locations and shooting, but it feels like a lot of stuff is kind of staged, but they are bringing in like a bunch of gay men. Yeah. To like be there. But yeah, like so often it just feels, there's a weird clinicalness to whenever he's around like the, the nightclub cruising scene. Uh-huh. Um, and so what I want is it's like, you either need to like, like there's basically three directions and we were kind of getting at this as well, but like one is like, Really go in the erotic thriller direction with this. Have it be an actual erotic thriller that's getting into... There's this part where, like... Because throughout this, he will occasionally go home to his wife. And they'll, like, have sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he's, like, not saying where he's going or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But it's not exploring any of this. Yes. There's a part where there's a line in the script. And I'm like, the movie could be about this. One, if the script was, like, having more writing towards this. But even without that, if the direction and the acting was tapping into this. There's a line where he's like, what I'm doing is affecting me. Mm-hmm. And it falls so fucking flat because it's like, you don't see Al Pacino going out and sucking dick or anything. Yeah. Right? The the thing... He's like so scared to commit to yes. actually doing any of the stuff that would then help him like get in where he might be able to figure out more about who the killer is or whatever. The thing about this is that... Um, the, the version of this movie that I like more is scared of gay sex, and this movie is grossed out by gay sex. Yeah. That's the line, is The movie should be scared of, fuck, what if I'm gay? Right. And instead it's like... Oh, I'm the straight guy that just has to go do this as part of my job. Yeah, Al Pacino uh, is like wandering through an alien planet. Yeah. You know? Um, 
The other direction is the direction where you go way more into the detective stuff. Yeah, that would be good, too. Have, like, an actual fucking mystery that's developing, and then I'm, like, pulled along by whatever's going on, and, like, I'm getting new clues about the killer, and I'm like, what's going on here? Oh, you know, there's some moments that are, like, also playing into, like, is he the killer? Oh, no, he was the killer. This is also my problem with the French Connection, to be fair, because I fucking hate the French Connection. I think it is a dog shit movie. Um, And my problem with the French Connection is that it's not a mystery. You know? So, like, have a little bit more of the mystery. That's another direction you could take it. You could also mix that in with the erotic thriller. That fully works with the erotic thriller. We are noted fans of that. Basic Instinct podcast coming soon. (laughs) And and the other is you just go way more full porno with it. And you just really... Verhoeven with this material? Oh, my God. One of the greatest movies of all time. You know? Like... You should be you should be pushing Al Pacino to at least put his lips on, on like the the tidy whities on some man's like hard job. The fact that the fact that Al Pacino does not suck dick on screen in this movie is every problem I have with this yeah. movie, and that's not just me. It's being either a going Fujoshi. like yeah, that's like <laughs> there's the there's the full porno version of it. There's also just the erotic thriller version of it, where like you know it's still faked or whatever, but it happens. Mm-hmm. There's like the best moment in the whole movie in some ways is the is the part where Al Pacino is watching. There's a guy. He's like on his back. He's like hung up in this bar. He's like hanging from all fours, basically. And there's a dude who gets his entire hand covered in Vaseline, his whole fucking arm and fists this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And that that. Is that's the exact scene I'm thinking of when I say this movie is grossed out by gay sex rather than scared of it, but but because it gets so close to that scared of it in that moment, that is also my favorite moment in the whole movie, and that's like a thirty second thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's also the like one suspect who gets brought in, and they're just like really like fucking mistreating like that weird interrogation scene that just like that just becomes uncomfortable yeah and it feels like there needs to be more around that like there's like yeah. interesting good stuff in there but it needs to be doing anything with it that's what that that's sort of what i was thinking about when i mentioned the scorsese movie version of this that's about policing and masculinity and violence that that interrogation scene is like uncomfortable and if more of the movie was uncomfortable with what policing is, what policing does to you, what, you know, what violence is, what it is like to inflict violence, if more of the movie sat with that discomfort, I would like it better. As is, <coughs> that discomfort feels out of place and I don't want to say unearned. I feel like when I sometimes when people say that something is earned or unearned as a piece of criticism, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what this movie has to do to earn that scene, but it just feels like I don't know. It just feels like the movie doesn't. The movie starts at this place where it's about the 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 opening where it's about the two other cops harassing the two drag queens, you know? Yeah. That's Which, by what... the way, that one queen, fucking breakout star of this Oh, movie. my God. She's electric. She's great. Yeah. Um, Like, like the, the movie opens on that, like, 
policing and violence and masculinity stuff. And then it feels like it sort of like fades into the background of the movie, and then it comes back in a big way with this interrogation scene where, to, to give a little more context than we have, uh, Al Pacino is going to have sex with a man for the first time ever, basically. And the police immediately like bust him and are like, this must be the killer. Um, and they just beat the ever-loving shit out of this guy. And there's like a, a very strange bit where... They're just like uh, trying to coerce a uh, confession out of him. They're yeah. trying to con- coerce a confession out of him be- because a six foot six black man in a jock strap just starts slapping him around. Yeah, and it's like this feels racialized in a way of I, 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 I'm like there's stuff happening here, and I can't even like parse what is happening racially I, I, I partially because i couldn't parse literally what was happening i'm like is this man a cop is this just a gay guy that they brought in to slap this other guy around for yeah. a confession like <laughs> um it's literally it's literally like a black character enters the movie goes unnamed and is given no lines to be a symbol of sexualized violence <laughs> You know, um, and and then just never never comes up again, and it's like I, I don't. What are we doing here? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's just it feels like really half formed. Yeah, I guess is the biggest thing. Yeah, it feel it's this thing too where it's just like it feels like a different director could have taken the script and done something else with it. Yeah, I would like more. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'm just not a Friedkin guy, you know? Yeah. I should give The Exorcist a shot. The Exorcist is the one where I'm like, maybe this is it. And the I Exorcist f- is great, and I've also heard good things about Sorcerer, so... I I've, heard, check out I've Sorcerer. heard good things about Sorcerer. I feel bad because Friedkin died extremely recently, and yeah. from what I understand is like a Chicago legend, you know? Like, he, from from what I could tell, like, following the music box and a couple of other folks on Twitter, like, beloved around the city... <coughs> Um, and so I feel really bad shitting on this movie, you know, but also it's a bad fucking movie. I got to the end and I was like, we should have fucking done Midnight Cowboy. It's a bad we movie. We would have had more weird shit to talk about. Yeah. Like, shit happens in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. I haven't seen Midnight Cowboy, so. Should have watched Midnight Cowboy. Should have watched Midnight Cowboy. You should have watched Midnight Cowboy. Anyway. This um, movie's better than The French Connection, at least, which is a fucking dog shit movie. Yeah. That that's probably harsh. Probably someone's gonna be like, oh, "I don't think French Connection is dog shit." I'm like, eh. I here's my thing about the like a bit of a documentary footage of the cruising nightlife in like New York or whatever. I just don't feel like it's like whatever footage does exist there. This movie is such a disservice to it. Yeah, is really my feeling. Yeah, exactly. Because it is so grossed out by gay sex it does not feel engaged with queer life because there's also you know the version of this movie that feels deeply yeah and this is where that the real sexploitation thing comes because it thinks that it just going it is grossed out by going to the gay nightclub in the same way that like the sexploitation is grossed out by the genitals with like herpes and or gonorrhea or whatever the fuck on it but then there's still just like the weird you you look at it and like, there's some sort of, like, here's this sex organ that you're able to see on screen, and here's this, like, sort of uh, 
sensational thing that's happening. You know, like, if Fassbender did this movie, you know? Like, I'm not super familiar with his work, but from what I understand about- Fassbender would fucking run- Yeah. You know what- You know what movie is, like, really giving you a view of cruise and nightlife, despite the fact that it is far more bizarre and abstract? Carol, that's a fucking movie. (laughs) So we were, we've been talking about doing Petra von Kant, and I kind of want to do Carell just because it's got a little. I feel excited when we talk about Carell, and I know yeah. you've watched it somewhat recently, but that's never stopped us on this podcast before. That's two years after this movie. It's so much fucking better. Yeah. Do you know why? Hmm. Fassbender's probably fucks <laughs> sucks some fucking dick. <laughs> Not anymore. Done. None of this William Friedkin. <laughs> Um, I don't even know. I know that there were stairs. There's that one where he's like going up the stairwell and there's like the porno mags. Yeah. And I think, are there stairs when they're going into the hotel before the bus? Yeah. This, this is the one. We watched this so long ago. Yeah. We, our feelings were already set at the time. So the rest of the conversation is genuine when it comes to the stairs. Yeah. This is, we were both, you more so, we were both sick last week, and so we were going to record last Friday, and now we're recording seven days later. This is the only moment where I feel like the conversation is at all different, because I feel like I would have said all these things a week ago. The one difference is that I feel like if we'd done this a week ago, I would remember what the stairs were. <laughs> well, I think we were going to record Thursday, because Friday was the dinner. And I was like, I'm a little bit sick. Yeah. And then you were... And then you we had were, it rough. And then we were like, well, we'll record on Monday. And then I had fucking fever dreams all Sunday and went to the doctor on Monday. I so. also I also missed work on Monday because I was not... I didn't have it half as bad as you, and mine was as much a mental health thing as a physical health thing, but I was not feeling well on Monday. Yeah. So. It's one of those things where... I'm just going to do like a C question mark. I... Eh, C minus question mark. It's one of those things where um, Monday, I feel like I should have gone to work because I was like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. But I bet you the reason that I felt good is that I spent most of the day Monday in bed. You know? I definitely don't have that at all about my Monday. Yeah, you were you were in a bad fucking place on Monday. I mean, I did not... I was not in fever dreams in and out of sleep all day on Monday, but... I was also like, well, I'm going to have some time off. Like, I'm going to, like, rest. But I'm going to, like, lay in bed. And I will, like... I did do the nibblung and lead reading while I was uh, waiting at the doctor. I got that done. But I was like, I'm going to go home. I'll lay in bed. Like, maybe I'll sleep a little. And then maybe I'll, like, read some Nana. Sorry, you know? I, I, I saw Highlander 3, the sorcerer, on this spreadsheet. And I just made a disgusted face real quick. Uh, maybe I'll read some Nana because I have to like have that for for ghost divers. Um, and I did not sleep much. I thought I was gonna fall asleep, but I couldn't really. Uh, but I I just had too much of a headache that I didn't. I literally like didn't do anything that day, other than go to the doctor and read Nibble again while hey, I was waiting. How many volumes is Neighborhood Story gonna be? By the way, also how big is that well, volume you got? So it's go- it's going to be four of those, but that is based on, like, a release that happened in Japan. It was originally, like, seven volumes. Okay, seven, like, Tonkabon? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, 
I will. Uh, I'm thinking I'll probably read it once you have all four volumes, maybe. Um, but you were sending me some screenshots from Neighborhood Story, and I'm like, I'm I'm interested because I feel like Yazawa I has. It, well, that's part of it. And in in Nana, her art is so tight, you know? Just like, there's not a, a pen stroke out of place in Nana. I mean, she still will, like, get at a certain looseness. I feel like your style, like... But when, there, when there's looseness, it's, like, intentional, you know? Yeah. This... But there's also a way in which I feel like stuff's not like as on model even when she's like has these really uh intense style um, it's still there's just not like the on model in the way that some other stuff like Mira's like fucking on model a lot of the time yeah i i just i think that like yuzawa i just feels so intentional and so everything in its place and so um yeah nana is still like um, you know, first, like, I'll, I'll even go up to, like, six or seven seasons, right, of Simpsons. Neighborhood Story is the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, neighbor, Neighborhood Story, I was interested in it because there is not the sort of, from what you showed me, there is not the sort of perfection. There is sort of a, like, I associate this... Naoko Takeuchi is, I think, very perfect in the way that she's imperfect. Um, but there is, like, sort of the Takeuchi um, energy to neighborhood story where it's like, here's some lines, that's your hair. You know? Whereas, like, um, by Nana, it feels like Izawa Ai is much more like, this is how I draw this person's hair. You know? What I meant by that, I what I meant by that was that um, there feels like there is a precision to her work, and that precision can be deployed for all sorts of different things. You know, that doesn't mean that she's always sticking to. I just feel like, you know, it feels very practice. It feels like she has honed her craft, and she knows when to bend and when to break and when to just do things the way that she's always done them. Um, you know, like, Yasu's head always shines, reflects light in just such a way. You know? The screen tones, um, you know, are always there in just the the right way. They just, everything is so perfectly done. And you sent me one page of Neighborhood Story where I was like, wow, she didn't care when she was drawing those characters' hair. And, like, and not... I, I, I mean, this is just from me having, like, for a really long time I drew, and I just, like, that was the thing that I did, and that was the thing that I went to undergrad for when I started, was, like, I got into film throughout that process, being like, this is what I'm going to do. But, like, when I was applying, I was, like, going to be an art teacher. Um, I think that there's still just... A, you're correct that there's like a level of like skill and like honing the craft but I think it's just the way that you draw the line changes over time. Yeah, yeah. And but like Nana being goofy and being like I'm hungry like 
I think there's still just the same sort of looseness and like playfulness that also exists. Oh in yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that Nana is never playful. I'm saying that like, like there's a shot that in Nana, the line would have been, you know, a little more refined, and in this, the line work was just, you know, like sloppy feels like a harsh word. It just feels like you know, first drafty, perhaps, in a way that, like, you just don't see him on in the same way. That does not mean that I think everything is on model all the time. I think there is a playfulness and a joy, you know. I was just telling you the other day how I appreciate the ways in which she uses thought bubbles um, for, for comedic effects sometimes in a way that, like, Thought bubbles by by the 2000s were very out of fashion in manga and Western comics and European comics. No one was using thought bubbles anymore when Yazawa I still was. Obviously, I think there's like fun to be had. I'm just describing how her art style evolved over time. <laughs> but I think that that's still what you're talking about refinement, which I still think is different than like tightness. Mm hmm. Because tightness is you're getting more into like the on model off model the like the the how loose is it willing to be, mm-hmm. and I think Nana's still willing to be loose. I think Nana, um, I think in Nana she's choosing when to be loose and when not to be, and this shot from yeah that's refinement, right? At this this shot from Neighborhood Story was like. She's still choosing. Yeah. It just wasn't all all the way there. I yeah. I just wanted to say I wanted to see how her art style evolved. Yeah. Um I What are we watching next time? In Corral? Are we watching Corral next yes, time? Yes, we're watching Corral next time. Okay. Um unless we want to pick a Christmas movie. Um Um What the fuck was I talking about? Where will find you? You find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal coffee with no underscore, where I have been posting so many screenshots from the X-Men and from Batman. Um, I had a... You don't go on co-host a ton, do you? No. Can I show you a co-host post that was blowing up for me today that I was pretty happy with? Um, cause I didn't caption it or anything. I just posted it straight. Um, uh, <laughs> you want to describe this for the listener? Um, so there is, uh, uh, let me rotate this so it's yeah. a little bigger. Um, there, there's a beautiful white child. <laughs> <laughs> And in classic 80s comics fashion, this is a child with the face of an adult. (laughs) Yeah. Until I looked at the second panel, at first I thought it was an adult acting kind of weird. Um, No. No, it's just that Western comics artists don't know what children look like. And it's the 80s vibe of um, child where it's like a little bit androgynous like the kid's a little bit androgynous yeah, yeah. but not in a pur- purposeful way because especially the ch- we learned that the child's name is dolly but anyway the first panel um oh wait i, I was going manga mode you're going manga mode. mode first panel knock knock there's somebody at the door should i go full garfield run aloud 
Yeah. So the child yeah, is wearing, um, it's just sort of like a pink sweater dress, kind of, or it's like, it's not even a sweater dress, it's like a sweatshirt, but you're just yeah, like I wearing it as a she's dress. she's not wearing like pants here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, is sort of like body turned towards the door, which is like a very, um. She's at like one quarter, but then her face is like three quarters. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a orange that's like almost yellow mm-hmm. but just enough red in there that it's distinctly orange yeah and then the floorboards of the it's a it's a hardwooded floor here mm-hmm. um and the, they're just like a nice you know slightly lighter than mid-range brown mm-hmm. um moving a little bit in that orange direction and then the I, wall I, is a, like this blue color. I like kind of like the squiggle we get to draw the shadow on the dress where the dress yeah. curves. I like that little squiggle we get there. <laughs> and this, this child is sort of in a in a um like fuzzy photo of Sasquatch pose. <laughs> <laughs> like taking a step uh with like, you know, the left leg like forward in a way where we're like sort of from behind but then like twisting her like body around where she's got like one arm sort of then back and then one going towards the door and is sort of looking over her shoulder um and is like you know also like the camera angle either is low or she's like really tilting her head back yeah um, it feels like the camera angle is low. The, the more i look at this drawing of this <laughs> child the more upsetting it is uh and it has like a, a smile but it's like a slightly concerned smile <laughs> well to be fair her dad was kidnapped earlier this day okay mm-hmm. um and so we get knock knock and it's spelled uh k-n-o-k k-n-o-k knock knock yeah, yeah. in white like bubble letters um, and then we have the speech bubble that says, maybe it's daddy, italics, mm-hmm. uh, exclamation point. And then there's like a bubble coming off of like. Now, is that a P or a D, you think? Is that Polly or oh, Dolly? Oh, Polly. I think that is a P. Um, Polly, don't. Uh, dash, dash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming off screen. Presumably mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be my assumption here. Yeah, that's mom. But it's sort of pointing towards the next panel where we get. The door is now opened, um, and so we've got, like, the door, like, on sort of the left, or the right side of the panel, uh, with, like, a little bit of the wall. There's also the color of the wall that's just, like, sort of a, uh, um... Yeah, what is this background? Yeah, there's, like, a little bit of this, like, uh, I guess it's, like, a screen tone from, like, that into the black. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sky is, like, also orange, and it's just like a little lower saturation, but I think it's like, it's maybe, it's like a little bit moving towards peach. <laughs> <laughs> and the child, uh, we have in the bottom right corner, um, and it's like just the head sort of looking up with her finger like to her lip. <laughs> You're just watching the magic of Garfield Red Aloud happening. <laughs> Garfield read aloud so fucking much, and and like no pupil in the eye. I want to note, <laughs> but the face is fully in profile, but is sort of looking up, and we get like looming, like camera really pointing up, uh, Batman, and it's just like a sheet of black mm-hmm. for like the shoulders with like the head sticking up, you know, and we've like really the ch- the chin is the prominent thing here. And there's like some detail given. To, like, give us the shadows of the chin and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, the mouth and, like, the nose. Because it's, like, you know, we're looking up at Batman. Um, and Polly, we, get, we have a speech bubble coming. 
uh, says O, and Batman says... The O is really small, yeah. and the be- the speech bubble is really big. I mean, the speech bubble's, like, normal size compared to all the others, but, like, because of how small the O is in there, it yeah. feels large. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then there's the speech bubble that's, like, in the blackness of just the void that is Batman here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman saying, hello, period, is your, in italics, father here, question mark. It's just a really funny drawing of Batman terrorizing a child. <laughs> um. Anyway, so where can people find you, co-host? Co-host at Autumnal Coffee. No underscore. Um, Lem is terrorizing us <coughs> as is his want. Um. So we'll wrap her up here. Um. But yeah, I've been posting a lot of comics stuff on co-host. Um. Uh. And 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 and. ExportOdd.io takes you to the Patreon, or ExportOdd.io slash coffee takes you to the free feed for coffee and comic books, where we were recently joined by Casey, aka at Manovsky article, to talk about the short story collection, um, what's it called? Uh, Invitation from a Crab, um, which was utterly fantastic. Really loved that. And if you like hearing people podcast about manga short story collections perhaps you give us five dollars perhaps you listen to an episode from this summer where nia and rick talked about gold pollen and other stories a a collection of short garo stories from the 60s that was a very good episode very good book um yeah lem is determined to ruin the podcast yeah and honestly i commend him where can people find you online Find me at Foxfomnia on Twitter, and also if I have any other social media stuff, I'm on there, but mostly Twitter's where I post. And mostly Twitter's just promo, but if you go to Twitter, you'll find my pinned tweet. Um, other stuff, my, my like, pinned uh, choast. Mm-hmm. People still saying choast over on co-host? I don't know. Okay. I'm posting a lot on co-host. I'm reading less. Anyway, it has links to all of my podcasts. Um, so... Ornate stairwells. We're talking about Nana. Uh, wait, ornate stairwells. We talked about Nana. Ghost divers. We're talking about Nana. We did talk about Nana a lot on this episode. Um, my friend, just chill. We Pondering Putan. Like five minutes. Uh, if you really want to hear more of Connor's comedic work, mm-hmm. which you'll have more context for when you listen to the non-homophobia zone. Right, you they can, haven't heard that yet. Yeah. You the can good go part of the podcast. <laughs> to Pondering Putan with Aji Shirataro and Hachimitsu Boy. Um, and also listen to Around the Long Fire, where uh, Em and I are reading through the Nibelungen lead right now. We started with Icelandic Sagas. We'll probably do some more Icelandic Sagas, but other classics as well. I think I'm um, two episodes behind now. I should catch up. Alpha is one of my faves. And, yeah, we talk about it for, like, a little bit, and then we kind of just talk about whatever's going on talk about a, mental health. Can I can I be super duper real can with I, you? I'll finish this, and then you can be yeah. super duper real with yeah, me. Yeah, 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 Um, Because the one other thing I want to say is if you go there, you can listen to us talk about John Wick in a recent episode. Um, and I also humorously just try to prompt M to talk about some movies so we have something to talk about and they're like oh I have to save it for repertory screenings so anyway I've been watching and just like immediately <laughs> talk about like everything they've been watching it's so funny <laughs> uh, I, I fell a little behind on ALF because um, 
you guys had a mental health talk that hit like so close to home and 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 I was texting the both of you after or, or even during listening and I had a really good ta- conversation about it but it hit, the mental health talks hit so close to home I was like I need to like lay off Al for a week or two <laughs> and so I, th- I think I'm let me see let me look I guess while you look I can say the one where we talked about John Wake and other three movies. episodes behind so, uh, Nibble Lincoln Lead, chapter 16 through 18, uh, which is the one where we found, uh, a much better painting of the killing of Siegfried than the one that we used mm. for the episode art. But the one that we used for the episode art did weirdly render, uh, Hagen and only Hagen's legs with extreme anatomical detail, including some, like, foot pervert stuff happening. There's... So, muscles in his knee that I'm not sure exist in the human body. Also, there's muscles in his penis. Yeah. The the little, like, uh, belt, like... This is such a cowardly belt. Because you clearly... I mean, it's paint- there for modesty, because otherwise you just see his dick with how tight everything is. He's just... I, I think um, M says, just Dr. Manhattan down there. <laughs> This, the, <laughs> That's just Dr. Manhattan right there. He is hanging dog in this photo, in this painting. And the wildest thing and about this is when Siegfried is killed, and let's just go over to Siegfried dying. In the story, when Siegfried is killed, Siegfried is naked. Sorry. I couldn't tell. We've exchanged cats. <laughs> Lem went out, Ollie came in. Siegfried's dying. In the story, he's naked. He's, he's taking a bath. You see, the, the, to go back to the dick real quick, I, the thing I was going to say is it feels like the painter had him just hanging dong here, and someone was like, oh, you got to put a belt over that. you got to obscure this in some way. And so I would 100% believe that this model was naked, and then someone was like, put some clothes on him, please. But you don't have the same... Uh, muscle pervert definition on Siegfried, the man who should be the weird muscle pervert mm-hmm. with the, the foot fetish. Are so yeah, bizarre. Let me go look um, at these. Anyway, Why has he got him toes out? That's what Hagen got that foot fetish art going on right why, now. Why, why Hagen got them toes out? Anyway, I'm not going to spoil for you the uh, SEO tags that we found when we were looking at this painting. Because I want you to hear those in okay. the podcast proper, okay. but gotta save some, some of the material for you. Look at his eyes. Yeah. Anyway, do you want me to show you the other uh, painting we found? Yeah, hit me. Um, this is metal as hell. This, one. this fucking rocks. Naiads coming out of the fucking water. There's like hordes of people back here. And it's just I feel like, like a very... you might be hanging dong there. <laughs> oh, give me an open in browser so we can really zoom in on this bad boy, please. Um... I mean, we're not gonna get that. He's not really, but let me just command plus. What? You're doing command minus right now. No, I'm doing command. No, plus. you're doing command minus right now. Oh, naturally, the slash key is. Mm, 
He is not hanging dong, but... Yeah. Anyway, this one's at least feels proper. Yeah. Oh, those aren't hordes of people. That's like one horde of people. Uh, well, I can't tell. It gets sort of expressionistic back there. Yeah. It's like, are those the spears and the flags, or are those more people? Kind of hard to tell. Somebody is putting his tail right into the, the pop filter of the microphone. Somebody is being so misbehaved and evil. You. Nanahachi is real. Ollie Lem is real. Nanahachi is real. Nanahachi is real. Dead, 
Takumi also has a, I mean. I want. Okay, you don't know this part yet. I'm not gonna say, you haven't gotten to this yet. Stop. Coming to you live from the scene, this is Autumn Blake. Uh, I'm joined tonight by, uh, give me your name again? Neve. Neve here, who has broken the case wide open on the, the parentage of Asatsuki Ichinose. Uh, Neve, would you kindly walk us through um, what you just explained to me before the camera started rolling? So, this is major spoilers for Nana. Major spoilers for Nana. You're about to spoil shit that I haven't gotten to yet. I'm in volume 14 right now. Yeah. I dropped the news anchor I, bit. The stuff I'm about to spoil is from volume 21. Mm-hmm. But you know a lot of this stuff already. You, you know what? I know less than you think I know, is what I will say. Because there's been... I don't... I'm not remembering what the thing was. But there was something five minutes ago where I was like... I didn't know that. Uh, and you just rolled with it. <laughs> you were like, oh, Autumn knows this from in the future. <laughs> You've been listening to the podcast. Yeah, I have. Is this the thing about how Nana leaves? No, I knew Nana left. This is the thing about Takumi in London. You know what it was? You know what it was? What? I, okay, I knew, I knew, um, I, you know what? I had all the pieces. Mr. Policeman, I could have put them together. Don't call me Mr. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what it was. Is that at one time, I said to you, I don't know about Hachi having kids. And I've seen enough of the future stuff that it feels like it would have come up if Hachi had kids. Does she have a... The first thing you see is her with, with Satsuki. It's like literally the first thing you see with the future. Which okay. you've gotten to. Um, your wife, your wife has texted you, <laughs> deeply upset that the Marvels is not on Disney Plus, and I couldn't help but laugh a little bit. Um, deeply is probably overcrediting it. At, at at one time, this was months and months ago. This was in like I had read about eight volumes, and then I paused until pretty recently. Yeah. At some point in that pause. I recently found out that pause was like a year. Yeah, I was I was listening to um I was listening to some ghost divers and I realized like how long I've been reading Nana a little bit. Yeah. Um much to your chagrin. Um read so much. <laughs> you just did you started Nana and then you stopped and read like the entirety of four really long running show known like battle manga stuff or something. Also, in the time since I've resumed reading Nana, I've read five volumes, four volumes. In that time, I have also read sixty or seventy issues of Uncanny X Men from the eighties. <laughs> Which I'm, if I just spent that time reading Nana, I would be done with Nana, and then I wouldn't have it hanging over me anymore. But anyway, 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 that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to what I was going to say is that at one time, I had said to you, I feel like I would know if Hachi had kids. Um, and so therefore, I assumed that um, she had a miscarriage from Takami's kid. And then I, you just did, you know, smiling emoji, didn't, didn't respond at all. 
And I interpreted that as, I have guessed correctly. And so, sometimes, I have that running through my head, and then I am introduced to, I saw Satsuki, I knew there was a kid named Ren, I had not seen Ren until tonight. And so, I was like, who, what, when, where, why, how? Um, it's fine. Anyway, the parentage of Hachiko's children. Yeah. So this is like an ongoing thing, that because it's unfinished, that people have. Mm-hmm. So Ren Ichinose, uh, who's in London with Takumi and Reira in the time skip, uh, is referred to as the older brother of Satsuki, who's the one who's with Hachi, and like going to the fireworks. Mm-hmm. When you first get the the very beginning of the time skip stuff, yeah, you don't learn about Ren until volume twenty one after like Ren has died mm-hmm. because they want to have stuff where people are talking about Ren in the future, but they're talking about this child Ren and not. There's big Ren, yeah. There's Ren and there's bigger Ren, yeah. And this raises the question: Why isn't it Ren and smaller Ren? But you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> so we know. That, like, the child Ren and Satsuki, that, like, presumably, because there's also this thing of, like, oh, like, the, the, you know, you gave, like, your name to my, my kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because Ren suggests Satsuki at some point. Um, but also, like, seemingly... Because there's also this whole thing of like, oh, do you want to know the the like you know sex of the baby? And uh, Hachi's like, no, actually, I don't or whatever. But it's just like convinced it's going to be a girl. So of course it'd be like the twist of fate that it's a boy. Um, so all the stuff of like the current child that Hachi has is about to have is going to be a Ren. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think there's definitely questions around this because there's also like, is it Takumi's kid or is it Nobu's kid? But I think like that question in the, the DNA parentage of that is not that interesting of a question to me. Mm-hmm. The bigger thing for me is Satsuki. Is Satsuki like a kid who happens later? Like they have Ren and then they have another kid. Mm-hmm. But the Nana Wiki, and I don't know where they got this from and I'm trying to figure this out. You're doing, you are, you have been doing investigation. You have yeah. been digging I have had to purchase you a Christmas present of of an art book in part to confirm. No, <laughs> I purchased you a, a Christmas book, a Christmas present of an art book because you requested it, and I was like, sure. Yeah. But um, but in the back of my head, when you were starting to explain this, I was like, is this? What I don't even want? know if it'll be in the art book because I think. <sighs> anyway, it's, it's not like it's not like the the. The back pages of an X-Men issue. This is called issue. First Illustrations because it came out at a certain point, and I forget exactly what volume they're up to, but it's not every single color page in all 21 volumes. It's up until that point because there's going to be another one when it was finished, or if it kept going, maybe there'd be three or whatever. You know, I say this is like an X-Men thing, but I feel like lots of manga does this too, of like you get to the back of the book and there's like, I'm Sailor Moon. My blood type is A negative. Yeah. I'm five foot two. That's oh, yeah. It's entirely Usagi is not five two. <laughs> it's entirely possible that there's some place that I will get to as I'm reading through where this shows up, like in the manga. Uh huh. Right. But right now I don't know where it is. I don't know where this is coming from. 
It says on the Nana Wiki that she was born June 29th, 2002, mm-hmm. which if you do the like general pregnancy mm-hmm. timeline would mean that she was conceived in like late September, mm-hmm. maybe early October. Mm-hmm. One of the main like theories that exists, because it also fits in thematically with other stuff that's happening, is Nana and Ren... Like, Nana gets pregnant, because there's also all this stuff set up about, like, Nana being really concerned about getting pregnant, having the, like, birth control pills. Sure. All of that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of... And, you, and, and you know... And some of it is, like, around her having these, like, anxieties around motherhood that's part of what causes all this stuff with Hachi, but... One of, one of the things I'm really enjoying about this season of Ghost Divers, and I have given you a little trouble about how slow and methodical this season of uh, Ghost Divers has been, but one of the things that's been really... I, I think y'all are doing really great work on Ghost Divers with this, because one of the things that going as slow as you have done is has highlighted to me the sort of, like, how good of a storyteller Yazawa Ai is. And, like, I, I know that reading the manga, but, like, you two, there is, there is so much foreshadowing that you two are able to pull out of that. Yeah. And one of the, the remarkable things about Yuzawa Ai is, you know, many of my favorite uh, comics and manga um, I enjoy because there's this feeling of, you know, we're we're plotting ahead one issue at a time. We, we wrote this issue and then, you know, we have to kind of just make things up as we go along. Uh, the Like, I hesitate to say that, like, Yuzawa Ai had the whole thing figured out from day one, but it really feels like the, the, the way that you two pull the foreshadowing out of, um, Nana makes it feel like she does have a pretty clear picture of events years in advance of when it happens in the story, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I have really, that is when one of the, the absolute treats of listening to this season of Ghost Divers is the way that you two are able to highlight that stuff. I say all that to say, Nana's concerns about pregnancy, which are just like a, a, a an anxiety from me reading it through the first time, you mentioning it just now, I'm like, oh, that feels like in line with the way that Yozawa foreshadows, you know, yeah. that she would have these anxieties and then, then they would come to pass. Because there's already stuff happening around that same time around like the car and the danger of the car and the car's Ren's going to die in that car. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, like, but yeah, so here, if this birth date for Satsuki is correct, it says June 29th, 2002, then Satsuki would need to be conceived like around late September. Mm-hmm. Right? Because October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Oh, wait. Did I do the math wrong on this? November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. That's nine. Yeah, that's nine. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, obviously cannot be Hachi's kid. Hachi if, does not give birth to this child. If this, because we've gone so off track, so to summarize for listeners, Ren, Hachi's first kid, is born April 2002. If if this June 29th date is correct, which we don't 
No, I suppose. Yeah. So it's it's stated in, and I mean, also, I'm sure this works out if you, like, look at the dates from the, but there is a part in the volume that I was just reading where Hachi meets up with Shoji. They talk a little bit. Shoji asks, like, when's the due date um, for, at that point, they think it's going to be Sachiko. And so she's like, oh, late April. And then he'd be like, oh, what if she was born a little late and was born on May 5th, Children's Day, i.e. like my new girlfriend's birthday, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which also could totally be a thing that would happen. Right, right. <laughs> Yuzawa, I would love doing shit like that. But anyway. Yuzawa, I would love to do 5-5, five, five, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but unknown Ren's birthday, but is probably that child. Mm-hmm. Because also it makes sense to have the whole, like, twist of she's so convinced that it's going to be a daughter. But then there's the whole thing where she doesn't want to know the sex when, like, the the uh, OBGYN is, like, looking at the, the sonogram or whatever. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's, like, setting up that it could mm-hmm. actually be a boy. Um, that already feels set up. I feel pretty content with being, like, Hachi gives birth to Ren. The DNA of Ren, like, the, the father side... Doesn't really matter to me that much if it's Nobu or, or Takumi, but because mm. like the choice it, has happened already. It matters. Know? That matters. Um, when Hanshiko is like you know deciding between Takumi and Nobu, once she makes that decision, it doesn't matter whose kid it is anymore. On some level, yeah. I mean, I guess if if in some way Nobu looks at the kid and is like that looks like my kid mm-hmm. that might be an added wrinkle or something. But yeah. <clears throat> the bigger question, the thing about Satsuki, there's no way that Hachi gives birth to this because she's still pregnant. Like, well, Pat, like she's still pregnant in, in like at Christmas time mm-hmm. in the manga. Yes. So she cannot have had a miscarriage and get pregnant again or whatever. Right. Right. If this birth date is correct, but I don't know where this birthday is coming from. Yeah, now, if this is, like, December 2002, like, if the, her actual birthday is, like, late 2002, early 2003, then this, you know, this is all out the window. Yeah. Now, the last time, I think, before, like, Blast blows up, mm-hmm. that that not and Ren have sex is September 11, 2001. <laughs> September 12, 2001 is when uh, the all the blast stuff happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, nine <laughs> eleven blaze it. Um, <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I, I still love that Connor proposed that that we make nine eleven be the new weed day. I think about it all the time. <laughs> I kind of forgot this, but I think about it all the time. You anyway. you know the Connor uh, joke that I think about every day. Which one? <laughs> the United States is the only country which oh, yeah. contains both Milwaukee and Florida. <laughs> I, I literally, I was listening to a bad basketball podcast today, and they mentioned <laughs> Milwaukee, and I started laughing again about... <laughs> The United States is the only country that contains both Milwaukee and Florida. Um, but so, like, around when Satsuki would have to be conceived, would be, like, late September. Mm-hmm. Trapness is still in London, aside from, from Takumi, who comes home early. And Ren and Nana are not even going to see each other, let alone have sex. 
they do have sex the next time they see each other. But that is late October, which we know because while they're having sex, Shin and Rara are having sex, and they talk about their birthdays coming up and their birthday in a week, like approx- like next week. And their birthdays are both on November 1st. It's also slightly before the like singles debut, which is uh, October 31st. Right, okay, Halloween. okay, sure, sure. So it's like late... Uh, late October, mm-hmm. when they have sex again, which I guess could be when they're having the kinky breath play sex, mm-hmm. could be when Nana then gets pregnant and then has Satsuki early, which would make sense because she's like smoking and drinking a lot after yeah. that. Yeah. Still. It doesn't now. Mm-hmm. But. So. That we have we have not having sex at a time that would work theoretically. Uh huh. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um. I have to say, as a as a person who consumes a a reasonable amount of Hunter Hunter content, um, which involves you know Hunter Hunter also a series. Um, updated more regularly than Nana, but, you know, still has its hiatuses, has storylines that were set up in 2011 that still have no signs of paying off, you know. Um, uh, Hunter Hunter speculation is so much more boring than this. <laughs> Hunter Hunter speculation is like, what's up with Gyro? And it's like, I don't fucking know, dude, and no one cares. Yeah. Togashi does not give a shit about what's up with Gyro. And what's going to happen on the Dark Continent? I don't fucking know. Some adventures. I'll be excited to read them when they happen. Until then, it's just going to be some fucking adventures. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I watch these videos and I do enjoy these videos, but on some level, it's like Hunter Hunter speculation is boring because um, it's like... Hunter Hunter speculation, because it is so made up as it goes along, you know? Yeah. Because um, it is, like, he truly is just not planning more than a chapter or two ahead at a time, you know? And that that's his method, and it works for him. It's very easy to imagine Yuzawa Ai being like, you know, okay, this series got picked up um, after volume one. Um, okay, I'm going to figure out, like, okay... Blast is going to get big, and Nana and Hachi are going to have a falling out, and there's going to be a time skip, and then she's just filling in. Like, it's it's very easy to imagine her having big plot beats, and as she moves forward, filling in more details on those plot beats that she's already like, I have to get from this yeah. point that I'm at to this point that I planned for. I, I assume that that is... I assume that's how she works for for two reasons, mm-hmm. which is so she when she talks about her writing style, she's like, I often don't know exactly what's going to happen because I am just writing the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like I am the characters are doing what the characters are going to do mm-hmm. when I'm writing, and there's a certain amount to which like they bounce off of each other, yeah. and go in, in directions. Uh huh. But a lot of the big key pivotal stuff are things that aren't like, 
this character does a thing. Mm-hmm. And then this stuff happens. It's like, okay, there's this other thing happening with paparazzi and they are working on, they want to get like the two bands to, to hit it off big. Right. Right. Ren's death is also tied to the paparazzi. Yeah. Like there are still these big key things. It's very, it's very easy to imagine if you are writing the characters bounce off each other that you can think ahead like, okay, I have this thing a year ahead that's locked in, you know, that like the characters are going to bounce off each other a lot. But I know that when Nana encounters this situation, this is how she's going to react to it. And so I can sort of move forward with that endpoint in mind, yeah. you know, and that's why this this speculation, I think, is more interesting than, you know. Now, here's the other wrinkle in all this, though. Yeah. If Nana gets pregnant late October. Sure. She would be pretty far into her second trimester. When the manga ends. Okay. I feel like she would be showing by then. Yeah. I, now, this, I was thinking about this. The manga ends not too long after March 5th, which is when it starts. Like, where it currently ends is, like, a full year. Okay. Because I was thinking about this, because I appreciate you mentioning that, because I was thinking about in the reading, I'm like, I'm in, like, volume 14, and Hachi is, like, not showing, basically. I mean, there's still, she's not like that, but even the volume where I'm reading, there's like a little bit where it's like emphasizing her. I'm, I'm, maybe if I read volume one and then flipped ahead to volume 14, I'd be like, oh, her model has changed in, in these ways, but it does not feel like she has like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount to which, uh the the characters are always going to be but like yeah okay okay she she gets like she she like gets like a little wider in a way that is like realistic but i always imagine um i you know mangaka drawing pregnant women as just the same exact character model with a bulge you know yeah. uh that that's not fair to put on mangaka that's i imagine artists doing that (laughs) yeah well and i mean like second trimester like there is a certain amount of showing but it's like the the really big pregnant belly is like Mm -hmm. really only it's third trimester and especially like yeah late yeah yeah um but so yeah i mean that means which would just given the sort of the timeline like you get to the end of where the manga is and it feels like it is it is quickly moving to like the next big thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. and that would probably be whatever the instigating thing is that makes Nana leave. Right. So that would still like kind of check out, but it's just that is the wrinkle is just like she still isn't so part of me is like i want to start reading and as i'm getting further being like are there any little tells that could support that mm-hmm, or not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i don't know this is like this one thing where i'm like i don't think it matters that much but i am just paying attention to it right now because 
I've seen a lot of theories around who are the different parents, and this is the first one that feels like it's in any way engaging with actual themes, and also one of the core questions of, like, chapter 21 feels like, or volume 21 feels like such a moment of, like, the whole family that Nana has built up comes to support her. Mm -hmm. You can still kind of understand reasons why she might run away, but it feels like something big has to happen for that to happen. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Um... Like, even the volume I'm in right now, she's, like, looking at, which is uh, volume 11 in this reread, she's, like, looking at the rest of the band being like, oh, this is, like, I guess this is my family now. It's kind of like a boy version of, like, you know, Hachi's family, basically. Right, right. So. So at the end of uh, X-Men 164, um, uh, Deathbird, so, so... Okay, all the X Men are having a dinner on um, what's her fucking name, Lilandra's ship, um, which I think is like the I don't remember what it is. It's like the Key Keysar, something like that. Anyway, um, she's the she's the Empress of the Shi'ar Empire, um, and her sister Deathbird, who is um, like trying to get the throne. She's the older daughter, but she was disinherited because she's evil or whatever. Um, and so at the end of 164, um, uh, Deathbird breaks into Lalandra's ship while they're all eating, and her and the brood, who were introduced a couple issues earlier, and then it seems like maybe Dave Cockerham uh, took a little time to start developing a lot of the brood saga stuff um and so there's some fill-in issues like the bilson kevich dracula issue um and so, so the death burden you know the brood were introduced before this but at the end of 164 they kidnap the x-men and this really kicks the brood saga off into high gear um and um it's fucking sick because 165 you are just thrown in no context for any of this. Um, you are just thrown into, like, Wolverine is, like, on the run. He's killing hella dudes. Um, he's, um, like, kind of coming in and out of reality. Um, and, and gradually over the issue, he starts to realize he was poisoned. All the X-Men were poisoned by the brood. But because of his healing factor, he's shaking the poison off, but then it's, like, re-entering his system, and he doesn't know what's going on, and so he's, like, he'll be, like, you know, um, and the, the poison is, like, brainwashing them into being obedient to the brood, and so, like, he'll be, you know, running and, like, killing evil brood fuckers and spiders, and then, um, he will, like snap out of reality and suddenly he'll see all the brood are his friends and he'll be like what's going on um and it's it's truly like x-men i I can't remember if it's 165 or 166 but um it's the one with like naked ass wolverine screaming on the cover um and there's a big brood behind him it's one of the best issues of comics i've ever read that's not like an overstatement i think it's fucking incredible um and then the whole brood saga from there is really good um I was really hesitant because, you know, I'm such a fan of um, Dave Cockrum's uh, sci-fi art in particular. I love him drawing, you know, um, the Starjammers and 
riding around through the stars doing pirate adventures and shit like that. Um, but uh, Paul Smith takes over, and he's got much more of a, you know... Um, he's, he's much more of the, the era, I feel like. It feels like Dave Cockrum is very much of an older generation, and Paul Smith is very representative of, like, what comics art starts to look like in the 80s. He looks a little more like, you know, an Alan Davis, a Norm Brayfogle, a, a Frank Miller. Um, he's a little more in that vein. He's a little more, um, you know, of a Neil Adams, and Dave Cockrum is a little more of a Jack Kirby. Um, but I think Paul Smith does a really good job of closing out the Brood Saga. And I was really fucking impressed with just, like, his whole arc. And um, I think I just read his last issue, because I just got to the issue where... Um, so Jason Wingard shows back up, and he brainwashes the X-Men into thinking that Madeline Pryor is, in fact, Dark Phoenix reincarnated. Um, but, um, the, and so they all start fighting her, but, you know, she, as far as we know, I know this is going to get retconned later, but for, for right now, as Chris Claremont is writing it, Madeline Pryor is a normal fucking woman, <laughs> you know? Um, and I know John Byrne in Fantastic Four is going to do some shit to fuck with Madeline Pryor's character, but I, so I think I'm at the end of the Paul Smith era where I just saw Scott and Madeline get married. Um, and it's a really touching issue, and it has, because it's a double-sized issue, it has um, uh, Paul Smith handing off to John Romita Jr. in the last couple pages, because um, one of them draws the first half of the issue, one of them draws the second half of the issue. And I think I've gotten to what Rick has described as their favorite page of X-Men, which is um, Jason Wingard, uh, Mastermind, uh, brainwashing Mariko so that she stands up Wolverine at the altar. Um, and I fucking cried, dude. I, I, no joke. I had seen that page before because I read, um, you know, the Frank Miller Claremont Wolverine miniseries. But, um, and so I'd read, like, you know, the, the issues of X-Men that follow it up, but I didn't really have the full context for the epic saga that, like, the X-Men had been going through at this point, and so hitting that moment, and also knowing that it was one of Paul Smith's last issues, and how much I'd grown to love him as an artist over those issues, um, getting to the page where Mariko stands up Wolverine at the altar, I fucking cried. I fucking cried. And then I read, I reread, because I'd read this before, I reread the Magic miniseries tonight, um, which I really only meant to read one issue, but then I read all four tonight. Um, I fucking cried, dude. I fucking cried at that shit so fucking hard. <laughs> Um, she's a good kiddo. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Ornate Stairwells. This is a movie podcast. You mean to take it again? No, no, no. no. Hello know. and welcome to Ornate Stairwells. This is a movie podcast on the X-War Audio Network. Uh, I'm your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined as always by your other co-host, Autumn. I almost said Goner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... It's a... I want to do a joke and I can't even... Autumn? I was trying to think of what if I... What if I extended the little line on the N at the end of my name so it was A-U-T-U-M-H? 
so I could try to lilt it and like one up you like we do. You, you let's take it one more time. Could you 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 do it? Okay. I fucked it up. You 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 take it. Okay. Yeah. Can you embody Connor though when I throw to you? Important question. Can anybody embody Connor really except for Connor? Hello and welcome to Ornate Stairwells. This is a movie podcast on the X4 Audio Network. I am your co-host Neve, and I'm joined as always by our other co-host Autumn. Uh so what you do, right? So it always comes in styrofoam bowls, right? And you have the noodle the the joy of it is assembling it. I can't I, I can't I can't do it. Connor Connor has a video no, We're doing an intro right now, so if you're if you're doing Connor, you just say, hey. Okay. Or whatever. I mean, I, and then I and then I have I to keep see, talking about what the podcast is. I can't because Connor, you're like, this is a whole thing. There's a thing where I was like, I feel like just the other person should still say their name, even though I I uh-huh. throw to you saying Connor. I feel like you should be like, hey, I'm Connor. And that's just how like podcast rhythms are for me. And he became like obstinate in that moment about how he was not going to say his name, and then like. Months later, had just forgotten, but still just never says his name. But had, like, forgotten that he, like, intentionally continued to do it. I truly, like, I'm trying to... This is, See, this is why I think... This is why I think that my guest spots on Putan are some of the weaker episodes. I, I think there's one that I was like, I, I fucking nailed it. You know what was your, your funniest guest one? appearance? The one where I had you record a thing... As if you had yes. just joined the call yes. and then used it as the yes. timer. Yes. But the timer was specifically <laughs> it being like, oh, I finally got in, basically. Like, I finally yeah. joined the call. Uh-huh. And then I had a timer sound go off. And then I had you laughing. Yes. There's, yeah. there's, I feel like Connor has like a, un- not a like completely, no one's ever been humorous in the way that Connor is humorous. But, like, he's got sort of a unique sensibility to his humor. You know, he reminds me, as if I'm really thinking about it, if I'm really thinking about it, he's got that sort of, like, Midwestern dry mystery science theater type of humor, you know? Where it's, like, absurd, but it's not calling attention to the absurdity a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this is, like, I feel like when I'm when I'm trying to be funny, I just, you know, go big. You know. Yeah, um, Connor and I both have Con- a tendency towards a dry humor sometimes. Connor also is, and telling- especially when we're together, we we like really just lean into the like the puton, the absurdity of the situation that we are like constructing for ourselves, uh-huh. the like absurdity of the things that we are twisting ourselves into doing. Yes, yeah, and 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 Connor, um, is telling jokes sometimes. In a way that I find myself not telling jokes, I just am trying to draw yeah. humor out of natural conversation, you know, whereas, like, Connor is introducing humor into yeah. unnatural conversation, almost. Um, it's why the it's why the video of him explaining Cincinnati chili to you is so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so it's 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 so dry and straight. It's mm-hmm. just explaining the whole process of uh-huh. what it is to get Cincinnati chili and prepare it. And like yes. you like you have the plate, or you like 
unpack this thing and then you unpack the cheese and then you put it and the goal is to like cover the previous layer so much that you can't see it anymore and stuff and like it, that it works because it is very sincerely <coughs> just how he is you know I, yeah. i've had dinner with the man once and he's he's not doing a character on Putan. you know no. <laughs> he went to he went to the chicken place we went to a place that's parsons <laughs> Fish and chicken, I think, is what it's called. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> I know this because I got or it from DoorDash on Wednesday. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's either way. It's chicken and fish or fish and chicken. I think it's chicken and fish. It's known for their chicken, their fried chicken, uh-huh. and their fish, yeah. their fried fish. Excellent chicken. Excellent fish. The name of the place has the things that they're known for in it. Connor was convinced they are known for their burgers. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and the- then when we're like, no, was still like, well, I'm gonna get a burger because I have a bad feeling about, or I have a good feeling about this. And then got the burger and was like, this is not a very good burger. <laughs> and meanwhile, <laughs> I had not been to Parsons before that, so I was like, damn, this chicken sandwich good as hell. And Connor is like, this burger's kind of mid, and I just yeah. feel like that's kind of our two energies. Um, I just, I just try to bring like a certain level of my own enthusiasm to everything. Um, and I, I think Connor is very sincere in the dryness of the way he approaches podcasting. Yeah. Um, um and so, so anyway, all I have to say, I can't channel Connor on a podcast. I, I don't have a Connor impression in my back pocket. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was just now thinking of, cause we do, the the only episodes of the Ghost Service that we do titles for mm-hmm. are the question buckets. Mm-hmm. The first one was a quote from a, a lyric of a song that we covered, rather than like an actual thing we said. Is the second one the one where I tried and failed to roll a joint on air? Yeah, and that one is kissing the homies goodnight, or GF stands for guardian phobotoming. <laughs> yes, right. Um, the first conversation I ever had with Connor, where I just didn't speak to you for like forty five minutes, because yeah. like, oh, this guy rocks. So I'm going to talk to him now. <laughs> um, third one, magical realist Tokusatsu. Sure, classic. Which I think is the thing that I said. So often, like, the question bucket titles will be a thing that I'll say because the thing that I will say will be more just immediately outwardly ridiculous. Yeah. But then Connor can build the bit. Here's another one. This one I think was a funny thing that I I stand behind this funny thing I said, which is, and this is just true. LCL is just gamer girl bathwater if you really think about it. Yeah. That's a fact. Um, Is Shinji a gamer girl? No, she's not a girl. I feel pretty firm. I, f- I feel very strongly about yeah. this too. I just wanted to. Um, Fario is really excited to be dating a bi girl now, so he can get Chick Fil A again. That one was a me one as well. Um, who on Utena Tux, which is just a thing that one of us said, not thinking about. I don't remember if it was you or me. <laughs> I might have and then said realized. That. <laughs> I think I think I said that, but I would believe that you said that. Now here's one thing that I said that's more towards a Connor thing. Uh-huh. Which is the best part of a bread bowl is that there's no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> if you just asked me, I'm pretty sure you <laughs> If you asked me just blind, I hadn't heard the episode, which one of you said that? I would say Connor. Yeah. You wouldn't take this anime home, uh, this anime boy home to meet your mother. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think that was something that I said. Um, Don Sacaduro, that was just, we played it. Yeah. There's a whole thing where, where Connor ranted about, uh, not liking Fast and the Furious movies. And I faded it out, but where you can actually hear the entirety of his rant, but I like found the exact moment to cut it where it seemed like it, like you lost a bunch while he just played Danza Caduro, but actually all of his rant is Danza Caduro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then this is, this is, I think, still the funniest to me question bucket episode title we've ever done. And this is the thing that Connor said. I saw a calzone. <laughs> I saw a calzone and it really made an impression. <laughs> <laughs> See this? Yeah, that, you can tell that's a Connor joke yeah. because never in in your life or my life would either of us uh, notice a calzone in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not gazing upon the calzone. I just order the calzone. R- um, real quick, thumbs up, thumbs down, calzones generally. It's fine. Yeah. I, I I like it in concept better than I like it in practice. Sometimes the ex- the execution is bad. Yeah, I like I'm like <clears throat> into it as a concept of like, ooh, it's more crust than pizza, but then you eat it and you're like, eh, I kind of wanted more pizza than crust, maybe. Uh, Normal Country, Nice to Eat You, (laughs) which was, um, Kim described her Kino's Journey Country, which was Normal Country, but also it's just a place (laughs) where cannibalism is normal. This makes sense because I- so then I suggested the title for the episode, Normal Country, Nice to Eat You. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense because I was like, Normal Country, Nice to Eat You, that's not a- that doesn't feel like either of you, but yeah. like you building on a Kim bit, that makes sense. Yeah. This is the thing that I said, and this is a very me joke thing to say, which is there's a lot of porn of Lucario, and I think Naze is down with that. <laughs> um, I have nothing to add. Now, here's a Connor one. Or no, Con- it was a Connor bit, but then I responded to the Connor bit, and it destroyed him, which is... <laughs> Connor suggested that Yayoi, if if she in Psychopaths was a noodle, would be Bucatini. And then I said, in, in just taking him in full seriousness, just, is Yayoi Bucatini? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now I need to ask you... But a- I, th- I think about, <laughs> I saw a kill zone and it really <laughs> left an impression on me all the time. <laughs> Now I need to ask you a question. Forty-three minutes into the recording session, and I'm I'm happy with the answer to this. Either way, there was a there was a a bit, um, and then you introed the. There was a pause, and then you introed the podcast, and it felt like we were starting on eight stairwells. And I was like, okay, we're in we're out of the non-homophobia zone. We're into the real podcast now. I think this is still not a <laughs> I think you're going to intro this one. I thought we were in the podcast, and then we just started listing our favorite bits that somebody else has done, or that you have done. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we ended up back in the non-homophobia zone. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to do my inhaler. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um... 
And then you're going to intro this You're one. sweating. It's <laughs> you're fucking la- hot in here. It's hot in here, but also you laughed so hard you're sweating. <laughs> I have bronchitis. And of course, asthma. I mentioned this before. Um, and I, I don't mind mentioning it on air. I didn't talk to you through that period because every time you do your inhaler, my instinct is to try to make you laugh and breathe it out. And I know that would be a shitty thing of me to do. And so I just have to be silent. It'd be a lot worse with my daily inhaler. Because mm-hmm. that one costs a lot more money. Yeah, but just in general... I don't want to fuck with your... I just have to be silent because I just don't want to fuck with your... I don't want to fuck with it. And if I talk... (laughs) I didn't do anything! I did do it that time just to fuck with you. What the fuck?! Anyway. <laughs>